0: Introducing a man who's happier than a pig in crap as today is his favorite day. Tacos and virgin margaritas because he doesn't drink. Happy Cinco de Mayo he is,
1: Glenn Clark. Well, I stand by Cinco de Mayo is a hundred times better than St. Patrick's Day. And nobody's ready for those adult conversations because we've all been indoctrinated into the idea that St. Patrick's Day is the greatest day. or It's the drinking holiday of the year. Cinco de Mayo is Phenomenal Cinco de Mayo is the food is better, the drinks are better, the music's better, all of it. Cinco de Mayo is the best drinking holiday of the year. I just don't do it anymore. I'm I'm out, I, and I'm not unavailable tonight anyway. I gotta, can we can we again. call it
0: Taco Thursday? Does that count? Yeah,
1: it doesn't. The alliteration doesn't play. Not the it same. Does not play. No doubt about that. But enjoy whatever you want to enjoy. I just I'm tell, I don't know why this is hard now. This gets into a deeper conversation, and it's not all that dissimilar from St. Patrick's Day about what really Cinco de Mayo is and cultural appropriation and all those things. It's a conversation there's somebody far smarter than I. I want to make that very clear. Resident, dumb guy, Glenn Clark, not the one to have that particular conversation. But big fan in general, in general, big fan of Cinco de Mayo, miss those days, loved going out to celebrate Cinco when I was a younger man. And maybe at some point when the kids grow up, I'll, uh, I'll get that opportunity again. But uh, for now, I will take it easy. And I got lacrosse tonight anyway. I got the Stevenson and Eastern tonight for a spot in the Matt Commonwealth Championship game. Uh, it is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Coming up a little bit later on this morning, weekend at Bookies. We'll bring that to you at 11.40 as we'll get you ready for the weekend in sports betting we are not, um, we are separating the Kentucky Derby from our betting shows, as I told you earlier on in the week. Unfortunately, in the state of Maryland, you can't go to the casinos and bet the Kentucky Derby. And that's a bummer because you'd love to be able to just spend your day watching hoops, watching hockey, watching the race, betting on it, and then watching the fights at night. But the state of Maryland, understandably, has decided that for now they want you to go to the tracks in order to bet the races, so you can't do it in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, and since they're our partner, we're separating Kentucky Derby coverage from our betting shows this week. We had Randy Moss on yesterday if you are looking for some info about the Kentucky Derby, so today we'll talk more about the playoffs, more about baseball, more about The fights, all of that on Weekend at Bookies coming up this morning, 11.40 a.m. We do it every other Thursday and Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 11.40 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Oh, hello. Later on this hour, uh, former Maryland football coach and UConn football coach Randy Edsel will join us. He'll tell us about the Ravens' third-round pick, Travis Jones. Also later on this morning, one of the greatest uh, players in women's lacrosse history, Taylor Cummings, the former Turp, will check in with us as this summer the Women's Lacrosse World Championships come to Towson University. We're very excited about that. Taylor will tell us more about it and uh, stuff and things perhaps as well throughout the course of the morning. I spent my evening, um, I poked a bit at baseball, We'll talk about that in one second. I definitely, obviously, was invested in the uh, Suns game. I actually watched the soccer yesterday afternoon. Woo! Wow, that was something. For those of you that uh, are not, were not paying attention, it was leg two of the Champions League semifinals, and uh, Real Madrid needed to score two goals. 90 minutes gone by, they were down one nothing, which was more problematic because they were down 5-3 on the aggregate. And the aggregate, of course, is the score of the two games combined. So they play two legs of these semifinals. Real Madrid down 5-3 with 90 minutes gone by. We're into stoppage time. And all of a sudden, everything changes. I've never seen anything like it. It was wild, man. Wild. As two goals were scored in stoppage time. Insane, absolutely bonkers stoppage time scenario with Real Madrid as they rallied from down 1-0, Rodrigo scoring twice, forcing extra time, and then they got a penalty kick in um, extra time in order to advance, and so it will be Real Madrid and Liverpool in the Champions League final, which is, I think Memorial Day weekend. If I remember correctly, it's the Saturday of Memorial Day. Weekend. It used to be a midweek thing, which I always loved. as a college student. Oh man, especially when I was at UNBC and my uh, roommate was on the soccer team and like all of his buddies were like soccer folks when it was a midweek event and it was a reason to sort of like shut down for the day and just drink and watch Champions League Final. That was a time, dude. That was the best. Um, unfortunately, they moved it the weekend, I want to say about 10 years ago, something along those lines. So it's not quite the same. Of course, it wouldn't be the same for me anyway because I'm, believe it or not, no longer in college. But uh, that'll be the Champions League final. That was thrilling. The Suns kind of passive for three quarters and then decided to absolutely whoop the Mavericks' asses in the fourth. It was weird. They shot 64% for the game last night. Well, they're they're, they're very good. I mean, that's insane. Well, that's part of the... They don't just jack threes. Like, mm-hmm. they're different than everybody else in the NBA in that they don't... In fact, they, they were, of the playoff teams, not even among the better three-point shooting teams because this is not what they do. They take mid-range jumpers. It's mm-hmm. this novel concept that nobody... It, it's almost like with the Ravens who running the ball. It's the you, you zig-i-zag type of deal. Everybody else is just jacking threes. That's all they do. The Mavericks, most certainly. They will... They're, they're, any path to the Mavericks winning involves them knocking down insane amounts of three-pointers because it's what that's their offense. Their offense mm-hmm. is taking threes and then Luka Doncic mixing in going to the basket every now and then. But that's it. They just shoot threes. And a lot of teams are like that. The Suns figured out this sort of market inequity where they were like, what about a mid-range jumper? You guys heard of that? And, of course, no one more so than Chris Paul, who is the monster of the mid-range, if you will. But they still work it inside to a big no if you it's a it's an old old thing that used to exist in basketball where you'd have a large player who would be in the middle and that large player would use their size and their strength to their advantage it was a kind of a crazy concept that worked for decades if not centuries and then everybody in basketball was like no have those guys shoot threes would
0: that be like in baseball Playing small ball and manufacturing runs,
1: um kinda. It's kinda like that, except it's not quite as obvious because those seven footers still exist. Mm-hmm. The guys are still that size. They've just decided to do so. This would be like having Jeff Rebelay decide that he was going to be nothing but a home run hitter. Uh-huh. Like, would didn't do nothing other? Now some of them are very good at it. It's amazing. Like Joel Embiid is a very good outside shooter. There are plenty of these guys that have made this transition and have have changed the game because they are lethal outside shooters. But the Suns do the bit where they're like, well, if you're seven foot tall, crazy, crazy concept, we throw it inside to you. And you're really big, so maybe you would have an advantage on whoever was guarding you and you could go to the basket and score or get fouled. Just a wild thought wild thought don't know don't know how anybody feels about it and so they do that so um it it scares me in moments because there was like moments last night where the mavericks suddenly got hot they were like knocking down four straight threes and you're like oh crap this could go a different way um they stopped shooting in the fourth quarter, and the Suns couldn't miss. And then on top of it, Devin Booker was hitting everything that he took. Did
0: I see that they shot 87% in the fourth quarter? Uh,
1: I don't know if that was the number, but i believe it. I mean, they they it, they didn't miss. It this was insane. insane. It was an—it was a bat-ass nuts fourth quarter last night. It was one of the most insane things I've ever seen. Now, it's only one game, and, you know, the Mavericks haven't had a game at home yet, and so you, everybody says a series doesn't begin until someone wins a game on the road, so you got to be fair about that. The Suns, all they did was protect home court, and they go up 2-0 in their series. The 76ers still have no life without Joel Embiid. They just have nothing to offer without Joel Embiid, unfortunately. Um, so they've gotten their butts kicked in a couple of games by the Heat. We'll see what happens as that series shifts back to Philadelphia. Right now they have shown... No signs of life so far in the series.
0: It's this is totally random, but Uh it's crazy to me that God makes people seven feet tall and athletic that they don't just look like baby deer learning to walk. Like I'm standing here five foot seven, and we got seven footers who are hitting threes and running sprints
1: and dunking. It's It's crazy. It's definitely nuts. But that's, I mean, that's what basketball is nowadays. That's that's the sport. Even DeAndre Ayton, who's the one guy who plays as a center, you'll even see him sometimes. Like he. He just wants to be like everybody else. So get the ball and be like, no, I'd rather shoot a twelve foot. You're like, dude, stop. Stop. (laughs) Not your game. Not your game.
0: Lonnie Baxter at 6'8 was a center in college. Charles
1: Barkley was six three. I mean, like basketball. Yeah. That's insane. Basketball's just changed, man. It's just a different, it is an entirely different sport. Um, it's it's weird. And the the Suns are doing a different thing. So it's what it is. Uh, that was what happened last I don't think there was anything else of particular significance that happened last night. Eh, if there was, we can talk about it later. I do want to know um, for you. So we, we played the game yesterday. We played um, Would You Rather Wednesday, and we talked about the wide receiver thing specifically with T.Y. Hilton. But I would like from you today, I got to think tank up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. I want to know specifically... What it is that you want the Ravens wide receiver room to look like by the time. So, we're not, this isn't a would you rather, this isn't T.Y. Hilton. I want to know specifically and within the realm of reality. So, the answer is not trade for, He's going to say Justin Jefferson. You can't trade for Justin Jefferson. I was like about to say, the reality, the problem is the first couple of names I thought of, I'm like, actually, you could trade for that guy. You could trade for Debo Samuel. You could trade for Terry McLaurin. Um, You're not going to trade for Stefan Diggs, for example. That's not going to be the answer, and you're not going to trade for Justin Jefferson. Within the realm of reality, and and be practical about it too, right? So if you say you're trading for Debo Samuel, understand that you're not getting him for the price that you want to pay. If that price was available, he would have been dealt by now. The 49ers aren't just trading Debo Samuel for the first person that makes decent offer. It's pretty clear. you got to blow them away in order to acquire Debo Samuel. So you got to, if you're going to include that in what you want the wide receiver room to look like, you've got to be practical about that. It's going to be a heavy price. McLaurin, probably not as heavy a price as Samuel, but still a pretty heavy price because they don't have anything in Washington. That's, Like about the only player on the roster, and I know they drafted another receiver in Jahan Dotson, but until that's proven to be a thing, this is about the only player they have on the roster that's even decent. So they're also not just going to give him away. So what specifically do you want, and within the realm of reality, do you want the wide receiver room to look like for the Ravens when the season begins, at Glen Clark Radio on Twitter is how you get in. We'll talk about it as the morning goes on. But let's recap what was an Orioles victory last night. What mattered? Our one minute man, Paul Valley, tells us now.
0: Alright, so the Orioles win a ballgame 9-4 to last night. It was the second time since Sunday that they scored three runs and six runs in back-to-back innings. The bats came out last night against Dylan Bundy, which I kind of uh, talked a little bit about yesterday that that could happen. Bundy was having a renaissance season in his first four starts, about two and a half ERA, only three walks in those four starts. Two walks last night, he gave up 11 hits, nine runs. Originally it was only seven earned runs, but all nine of them now earned mm-hmm. against, against Dylan Bundy. Looking like the 2018 version of Bundy last night. Trey Mancini Three infield hits last night. You'd be, you'd be surprised to hear that it's him that got it and not Mullins or Mateo. Uh, Kyle Bradish really good the first three innings, gets a 6-0 lead in the fourth inning and completely fell apart. But I, I I'm I don't... I don't have an issue with that because it's only a second big league start and you expect him to take some of his lumps uh, here moving forward. But Orioles come out of that game with a 9 4 victory. The bullpen gives up two hits, no runs over five innings. CNL Perez still supporting a zero ERA. Uh, the, the bullpen, very good. The lineup finally came to life. Hopefully, at some point.
1: So it's, a lot of that's just stuff that happened last night. As far as what really matters, Braddish is the question, right? That That's the we go back to these big picture concepts with the Orioles this season and can Kyle Bradish become part of the solution and no to your point you don't overreact to the second start of his big league career or you know the first time he had to wait through a long inning the fact that he got hammered right afterwards like i i'm not going to panic about it and suggest that that means that Kyle Bradish isn't that guy but it does go into the pile as far as viewing Kyle Bradish, it is an amount of evidence. It is something that you file away that if Kyle Bradish is going to be part of the solution in any way, I'm not even talking about as being closer to the top of the rotation. I mean, even as a back-of-the-rotation guy long-term for this team, he's going to have to be better as far as how he handles long innings. Ideally, if the Orioles are ever going to be good again, there's going to be a few of those. Mm-hmm. Ideally, when we get to that point, when the players are all here, the Orioles score four, five, six runs a lot in one inning. And if that's the case, the idea of getting cold or getting in your head or whatever it is that people describe about long innings with pitchers, you're going to have to be able to handle that. And again, I get it. It's a second career start. There's I'm, there's nothing that says that he won't be able to handle it, but it's just one thing that we saw that as we look at the big picture with Kyle Bradish, we have to file away. You still see plenty of things about his stuff, and especially before that inning, you saw plenty of things about his stuff that make you say, this kid can do it at the Major League level. This kid can be a Major League pitcher. His stuff's
0: really good. His stuff's really good.
1: Y- yes, but there have been plenty of pitchers yeah. that have arrived in Baltimore whose stuff was really good. Tanner that Scott. Tanner Scott, well, I mean, Tanner Scott... I, I think this kid's stuff is better than Tanner Scott's, yeah. frankly. I mean, Tanner Scott threw the hell out of the ball and had decent stuff beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, Bundy, Gosman, Arietta all had stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you could see the pitches they could throw. The talent was evident with all of them when they got here. They just never consistently proved that they could. I mean, Gosman was the closest one for a stretch, that was able to show that he could do it, but even he, it was fleeting, right? Right. Like, it certainly wasn't what we see now. We have seen plenty of guys that had talent arrive in Baltimore. Kyle Bradish has talent. There's no question about that. Going from being a talented pitcher to being a consistent major league pitcher is very difficult to do. It has been seemingly more difficult in Baltimore for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm whether that will continue to be the case or not, to be determined. Ironic that, you know, we were talking yesterday about maybe the wall would help Dylan Bundy, and Cedric Mullins just said, no, i just go the other way. Like, that's the, the hell with the wall. There's there's this over here. I'll hit the ball over this way, and that'll rock him.
0: Ramona Rios, just a Bomb to dead center, four hundred twenty-nine yep. foot home run. Yep. It's good to see him finally get off the schnei because his hard hit rate is up from last year. His strikeout rate is down from last year, and he's hit into some really yeah, bad luck. I
1: I just have so little thought that Ramon Urias is a baseball player. Like huh? I I just I I say as a baseball player, I think he's a guy that can be on a major league team. I just have so little thought that Ramon Urias matters. Oh, I,
0: I I doubt that he is a guy who factors into their future. He, I think he the best he can do for himself is make himself a trade chip because there's other guys coming. Yeah,
1: but even I just think it's a limited. I think it's a you I just don't think Ramon Urias is somebody that that's a difference maker. I think mm-hmm. he again, to say could you trade him for something? Sure. I think you could, you know, he could make himself somebody that he could trade for something. Right. But you know, I, was, there's 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 a cap to that.
0: It was definitely good to see though that it was Dylan Bundy squaring off against the guy that he was traded for. Uh, last night, one of the guys. He was traded for four guys, but Kyle Bradish is the guy who's in the big leagues now. And the Orioles, you know that Bundy had to be coming out there his first start back in Camden Yards, and he probably has a little extra motivation. Yeah, and they still shell him.
1: Yeah, I, you know some of that's. I think that I the the bit that I know about Dylan Bundy, I don't know if uniquely that's something that gets him going. Some mm-hmm. guys really are that way. Like it just they've got something up their ass about it. Like they, they want to come back and they want to wreck you and they want to, I don't know if Dylan Bundy's that guy. He's just a little bit unique getting to know him and actually his father a little bit over the years. Like, I just don't know if that's something that was a big deal to him versus Dylan Bundy just wants to prove that he's a quality major league pitcher. And I think overall
0: he is. I He's not what we expected him to be, but I mean, he's, he's I, pitched I, I well think he's the last
1: three years. A, I think he's a real Major League pitcher. Yeah. I don't know if he's a quality Major League pitcher. I don't know that he's an above-average Major League pitcher. I think he is a proven Major League pitcher. He's a guy that deserves to be on a team every year. That's about what I think Dylan Bundy has proven himself to be, and I think that he wants to be more than that, or at least guarantee that he continues to be that. I... Some of that stuff uniquely, I think I think the Kyle Braddish side of it is way more important than the deal. I don't care who the Twins would have started last night. Mm-hmm. It It's important to see Kyle Braddish right now because, again, this goes back into the margins, the the knowns and the unknowns. Well, the knowns, we're using known in quotes because we don't know with certainty that Grayson Rodriguez is going to be a quality Major League pitcher, but we feel stronger about it than we do just about anybody that's come along in a very long time. Um figuring out if any of these unknowns can move into the known column can switch over is the story of the season that's this season it's twofold one the guys that matter getting here and proving that they belong is the most important thing right it's it, the most important thing is that when adley Rutschman arrives in a couple of weeks he doesn't look lost that when grayson rodriguez eventually gets here he looks like a guy that can do it you start to see those signs the second most important part of the season is figuring out if anyone else from the next column can move into that column. And Kyle Bradish kind of headlines that group. And I still think D.L. Hall is in that group until proven otherwise. Like, you could say he's closer to the first group, but there's just been too much gray area with D.L. Hall for me to confidently put him in the first group. So he's got to prove it. Um... I is he pitching today. By the way, is the deal That's, what, that's literally what I'm. Looking. I think they're, he is, they're, playing he at they're playing at eleven a.m. They're playing at eleven a.m. today. I believe I remember hearing that he was on the mound today uh, for the Boone it would Day make Sacks. sense because
0: his last start was. They usually go six. Yeah, and since and
1: since Adley DH yesterday, I'm assuming that means he's behind the plate today for that start. Cal um, Bradish, whoever he faced last night, was going to be under a microscope, and he's going to be under microscope every time he pitches because there's reason to think he could be part of the solution, but it's could, and he has to continue to prove that, and last night he didn't. It's okay. Second start, not the end of the world. Clearly, there is reason to believe he was impacted by sitting on the bench for a while and having not been in that situation in the major leagues just yet. We'll see how it goes for Kyle Bradish. I by no means am suggesting that that's... That's a declarative statement about him whatsoever, but we do file it away.
0: For Bowie Velez is starting today. Maybe they're piggybacking DL Hall with Velez. That might be what they're, cause they they piggyback. A lot I know. Him. I just
1: I could have sworn.
0: Um, but to, back to your point about, about Bradish, his first time experiencing. Mm, a this. No,
1: he's starting. Yeah, he's starting. There's a tweet from the Bowie Bay 23 minutes ago. Oh, they just made it. D.L. Hall starting this morning. They that's what I they, thought.
0: They haven't uh, updated it on the yeah, M- minor league website. Um, but th- to your point about Bryce, it was his first time experiencing a long inning and then coming back out. And we saw with Grayson Rodriguez two starts ago where he got warmed up and then there was a rain delay and then he had to do it again. And these guys have had a lot of success at the minor league level. One of the things that they're going to need to work on is – and when they ha- when their team scores on a ton of runs in one inning and they have to sit for a while, coming back out and still being aggressive, still still uh, hitting your spots and being able to get guys out when you have a big lead, and it's it's weird to me that there's a mental that there seems to be kind of a mental block where maybe you're thinking all I have to do now is throw strikes and you throw too many strikes. Maybe, I, yeah, I, you I, don't have to make the
1: same pitches. I hear you. I, I, but they got to learn what, to go what, out there. and just pitch it is, like it's still nothing, nothing. Whatever it is, and and again, I, it's something that they've almost certainly dealt with at some point in their baseball career. But I accept that it's different once you get to the major leagues. Because the innings take longer. I mean, it's just the reality. the major league level, everything takes longer. There's a longer commercial break. between. Everything takes longer at the major leagues than it takes at any other level. So if you pitched in high school and your team scored eight runs in an inning, you didn't have to wait as long. And the guys you were facing weren't as good as this. Mm-hmm. You might have been able to get away with sort of relaxing a little bit at that level. There's nothing until you experience this, you can't possibly be prepared for it. Now he's experienced it. And I don't know if Cal Braddish is going to be put in the same situation in his next start or the start after that. I, I have no idea when the Orioles are going to put up another crooked number in an inning when Cal Braddish starts. But it will be something to file away for the next time he's in that situation. Does he handle it better than he handled it the first time? It ain't a track record until it's a track record. And if the next three times he goes and gets a shut-down inning afterwards... It's gone. Something, it's something Orioles, that happened one time and you forget all about it. Something the Orioles seem to be very bad at. Yes, they are not. They're shut not shut down inning. inning. There is no doubt. They are not a shut down inning team. Uh, Orioles will wrap up the series with the Twins tonight. It's not Kyle Bradish on the mound, so it's not quite as appealing as last night was. As far as going, just going out to the ballpark on a random night. It is a shame that Adley's not up for this weekend because Bobby Witt, Adley Rutschman would be pretty cool. Would be a decent reason to go out to the ballpark. Maybe they make the move anyway. I'm gonna guess they don't. Probably, Just gonna Probably not. I mean it would be it would be wild. It, I, somebody would say why not, right? Like somebody would say it's a great it's the Royals, nobody's going to the ballpark this re- this weekend. You have no reason to be there. Other than if, it, for whatever reason, it's a Mother's Day tradition you with your family. Hat. Yeah, right? That's the only reason there would be to go to the ballpark this weekend. I know they did the $4 tickets for this weekend, too, so maybe some people took advantage of that. But there's no real attraction to going to the ballpark this weekend, and I would argue it would be a better time. To have Adley Rutschman come up, then the Yankees series would be when literally you have the Yankees. going to be twenty-eight thousand there anyway. Yeah, I mean, like I, I've never understood why that was the target date, but everybody has assumed it as the target date, and everybody has kind of worked around the plans. That that's the way it was going to be that he would go to Norfolk next week and then be here for the Yankees series the following week. I, I would absolutely argue that it would just be better to do it this weekend, and the fact that it would give you that additional, like it. It would give baseball juice, not just local juice, but baseball juice to one versus two, both being on the field at the same time for a weekend if it was Adley Rutschman versus Bobby Witt Jr. Again, I'm assuming that ain't going to happen. There's nothing that suggests that it's the case. Hey, but
0: three hits, four runs, and two games with Bowie.
1: I, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not saying he couldn't be here. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I just don't get the sense that he will be here, and it's a shame because otherwise there's just not... There's very little I can sell about this weekend. Not right. I can't I, I told you last night I thought it was worth going to the ballpark last night. Tonight it was Spencer Watkins and, and by the way, completely forgot Chris Archer was a twin. Utterly forgot Chris Archer. He's having Chris a Archer Renaissance
0: a season too. Chris Archer,
1: I mean, was a hell of a pitcher. I don't know what happened to him, but he was a hell of a pitcher. Um nothing really this week. I guess Zimmerman would start this week. When does Zimmerman start again?
0: He just started two days ago, so yeah, prob- but he, probably not till Monday. No, I guess uh, they're, they're, They don't may, have may an maybe Sunday. Yeah, but oh, have yeah, to be, Monday, it would be yeah, Sunday. I, I imagine he starts Sunday. It
1: would be Sunday, right? So yeah, I mean, if you want to say that Zimmerman's the closest thing the Orioles have to a a guy that you go to the ballpark to see, then that would be a reason to go to the ballpark this weekend. But instead, why don't you skip it and listen to Rita and I on the Fan on Sunday afternoon? That's the way that I would handle my Sunday. If I were making plans for you, I would plan around that. Um, I did see the Madison Bumgarner thing yesterday. By the way, today's show is also brought to you by uh, the Baltimore Police. Looking for a few folks? Join a proud new generation, the Baltimore Police, and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. So, what was the name of the umpire, the Madison Bumgar? Bellino, is that his name? I believe that's, I believe it's Dan Bellino. Hang on a second. Let me make sure I have that right. Yes, Dan Bellino is the name of this umpire. If you did not see the Madison Bumgarner thing, it's it's one of the more insane things I've ever seen. So Dan Bellino is the umpire. He goes to check Madison Bumgarner for a foreign substance at the end of an inning yesterday. And it was one of the early innings of the game. I don't remember if it was the first, second, whatever it was. It was very early on in the game. It was
0: like after one inning.
1: Yeah. And... It's the weirdest thing you'll ever see. Now, it's made even weirder because everybody's sharing it in slow motion. But even in live, it's very odd. He's rubbing Madison Bumgarner's hand like a creep and staring into his eyes, very clearly trying to get a rise out of Madison Bumgarner, which he does successfully. Madison Bumgarner... Starts sort of spouting off at him, and Dan Bellino ejects him from the game. I don't know anything about a, a history between Dan Bellino and Madison Bumgarner, nor do I care, right? I'm like, why Why would I possibly care about what's going on with an Arizona... Di- why would anybody, frankly, care about what's going on with the Arizona Diamondbacks? But this is the type of thing that must be eradicated from the game. This... This is the type of thing where clearly, for whatever reason, and by the way, Madison Bumgarner might have been a jerk to this dude for years. I don't know, but it's irrelevant. He's a baseball player. People pay to watch him play. And that doesn't mean that umpires shouldn't be able to control the games. That they shouldn't be, that whatever their calls are, that's the way that it goes. I understand we have to have rules. We have to have some sort of order to competitive sports. But there was clearly a dude with an agenda yesterday who masqueraded as an umpire. And the umpires, to their credit, have an incredibly strong union. Their organization is unbelievable. No matter how much they F anything up, there are never consequences for it.
0: Angel Hernandez.
1: It's insanity. I mean, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. But this type of thing ends up being shared quickly and overwhelmingly all over social media. And so the topic yesterday throughout baseball was this incident with this ego-tripped umpire staring down Madison Bumgarner so that he could set him up to lose his mind and eject him from the game. And it's beyond having no place in baseball It's the type of thing where at some point the sport has to stand up to their own umpires and say, We don't care if you threaten to go on strike. We're over it. Nobody is here to watch you. You might not be be getting paid what the players are getting paid, but you're getting paid. You're getting compensated well for the job that you do. This will end. Because the only reason anybody might have to go to an Arizona Diamondbacks game is because Madison Bumgarner is pitching. And the idea that you're doing anything to get a rise out of him, to get him out of the game, is so beyond the pale, it's unforgivable. There are enough problems within the sport of baseball. The haves and the have-nots, The fact that the game has changed so dramatically, people's various opinions on unwritten rules, whatever it is. There are enough problems that the sport deals with. For the umpires to create new ones cannot happen. There can be no gray area here. Baseball has to take power back from the umpires. I don't even know if it's technically a union or if it's just a... I don't even know what the title is. I think it's a union. I think it's a union, but... If it's not, it's essentially a union, just with a different term. They have to take power back. This is far too common within the sport. And you hear from the umpires, well, we get abused. We get, hey, man. I, I had some maniac screaming F-bombs at me on Twitter yesterday.
0: I, Sorry about I- that. I don't- oh, yeah, right,
1: hey, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's no different than what you say in here. <laughs> it's worth. You just wait till the microphone's off normally, and then you unleash your tirade. This happens, and I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying that, like, the idea that that means that it gives you license to go back at the players in this sport. Everyone is there to see the players. Of anyone that is there, anyone that's watching is watching to see the players. The power for the umpires, should be minimal. There is no sport where ejections are more indirect to the rules than baseball. You get ejected from a basketball game, it's because you did something that we can go to the rule book and say, look, if you do this, you get ejected. Draymond Green got ejected from a basketball game because of his own actions. I am... There are people that argue that even that you don't want to see. We we don't want to watch basketball games where the players are getting ejected. If there's any chance to not eject the player, you shouldn't eject the player. That's the argument in basketball. But at least you can go back to saying, hey, the rules say this. In baseball, whenever somebody mouths off, the umpire can just say we're ejecting you. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's up to their discretion. Once we've decided we've had enough, we just eject you. You want to yell about something, we'll let you yell about it to an extent. And yes, ejections are part of baseball. I made that argument a couple weeks ago when there was the incident with Trey Mancini at first base, that Brandon Hyde was supposed to get himself ejected to allow Trey Mancini to cool down to keep him in the game. Ejections have kind of become part of the game. But an umpire yesterday was clearly seeking to eject a player from a baseball game to find a reason to get a rise out of the guy, and it's joke. And something has to be done about it. And the rogue, we're in control thing, and don't get me wrong, the ego of athletes is out of control in a lot of cases. And the belief that they are larger than life because of the amount of money that they've been paid to play a sport, I have no doubt in plenty of cases. I don't know anything about Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner might be the nicest guy on the face of the planet. I mean, I guess I know what he's—he—he's—he's he's involved with the rodeo somehow. Yeah, I remember? believe he has a ranch, and he's like like a no, cowboy. I think, yeah, I think he's legitimate. But I th- believe he's legitimately competed in rodeo. I—I mm-hmm. I don't know if Madison Bumgarner is a—a dick or if he's a—a a, a nice guy. I don't know.
0: I think he's somewhere in the middle. I think he probably can be a dick. I think well, he's I just mean, a country. boy. But that
1: sounds like everybody. I yeah. mean, like everybody's capable. I—I I don't know, because I've—I've never—he's never been here. He's never been part of my sphere, my universe. But even if he is the biggest a-hole on the face of the planet, he's still the guy people are paying to go see. And every ounce of your power as an umpire has to be put into, we're going to do everything to make sure that that guy doesn't, we only eject him if we absolutely must. And that can't happen. And baseball, this isn't about a rogue umpire. Because if it's not Dan Bellino, it's another guy. It's about the power that they've given to the umpire's union over the years. That at some point they've got to work on taking back. You're here, despite the fact that a lot of people think you shouldn't even be part of the game anymore. You're here, but you've got to understand what matters about this sport. This, it's easy to say, is unacceptable. unacceptable. I mean, it's easy, and that's brainless for me to say. It's unacceptable. It's beyond unacceptable. There should be significant penalty for it. And I don't know what Madison Bumgarner might have said. I'm not a, a lip reader, and I didn't care enough to go try to dissect the audio. I'm sure the the, the John Boy guy that thinks that he knows everything did. I'm sure there's a video somewhere of someone guessing exactly what it was that Madison Bumgarner said, and maybe he said something truly heinous, and if that's the case, he should face penalty for it too. I don't know. But that, staring at someone, trying to show them up, trying to get a rise out of them when you are an umpire, you are not capable of being an independent party if that's who you are that guy can't umpire a baseball game because he's not capable of it. Because the job requires utter and complete independence. No feelings whatsoever. And someone who would stare down a pitcher and try to get a rise out of them is not capable of doing that job. Knowing the rules is important. Being able to adjudicate a baseball game is important, but utter and complete independence of any emotion, any thought whatsoever is required out of doing that job, and Dan Bellino is quite, capa- uh, or quite incapable, clearly, of being utterly and completely independent. And because of that, he can't do the job. He's got to go.
0: But they're not going to do anything about it. No,
1: and that's the problem. Yeah. The problem is they have usurped the umpiring group has usurped an amount of power away from Major League Baseball.
0: It's stupid, really.
1: It, it's nuts. It's nuts. I've never
0: seen a profession where nobody's held accountable. They're, they're never held accountable I, for, I, And I've got to be
1: fair about this. We criticize missed calls, and I know that Angel Hernandez. Like, I think that something came out over the weekend that like Major League Baseball has quietly said, we're giving you a two-inch buffer. On strikes, mm-hmm. So when they grade these umpires, like the independent groups that grade the umpires, Major League Baseball's grades are not the same for the umpires. So when you see those like 80, 80 like Angel Hernandez had an 80% night, that's not the internal number that Major League Baseball has. Right. Now that's a bigger problem.
0: Now they, they, they do get pick and choose who, who um, umpires in the playoffs and in the World Series, and Angel Hernandez was left out, I believe, last year of the playoffs. So there are punishments for that but these guys are still making over $300,000 a year and they don't they don't lose their jobs or get demoted or anything like that.
1: So it's a problem. It's a problem. There's no getting around it. It's a huge problem. And there's not an easy the broad thing that I can say, the broad dumb guy thing that I can say is that you got to get control. You got to take back control of or power, whatever it is, you've got to take control of it as a sport and say, you guys can be as mad as you want about this, but this this can't exist within the sport. Today's show also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Fight night, Saturday night, UFC 274. You're going to want to be there inside sports and social using the 61 self-service kiosk in order to get your bets in, plus Canelo Alvarez and Dimitri Bivel and a bunch of big fights on Saturday. Every night during the playoffs in hockey and basketball, you can get there. There are so many prop bets available for each game during the playoffs. It'll make your head spin And if you want to reserve your spot for the fights, email events at sportssocialmd.com, the FanDuel Sportsbook, at Live Casino Hotel, Maryland. All right, let's switch gears. Oh, by the way, and yes, Brian Powell also points out, on top of everything else with the Orioles and Royals, it is supposed to rain this weekend, too. So not much of an argument for going to the ballpark. But, you know, if you're going, enjoy. (laughs) I I I don't want to come off like a jerk. Enjoy. switch gears. Baltimore Ravens made a bunch of picks last weekend and one of those players was selected in the third round. The defensive tackle out of UConn named Travis Jones. And we want to get to know Travis Jones a little bit better, so... It so happens that someone that we got to know for years around here was his coach at UConn. It's a pleasure for us to welcome back to the program former Maryland coach Randy Edsel, who's with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul. It's good to chat with you again. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Uh, no problem. Glad to be with you guys. It's great to oh, chat. good to talk about Travis. Well, I, I want to get to know. What, what, give me your first interaction, your first memory, the first time you realized, hey, this kid might be something special.
2: Well, I'll tell you, he was a, he was a, coming out of high school. He was a big kid. He was he was six uh, four and three hundred and fifty some pounds, and and you just watched his athleticism. He came to our camp and you watched his athleticism. and You watched him move, and uh, you know, good kid, soft spoken and and uh, very polite. Um, you know, he said this kid's got a got a really opportunity to to be a good player. and He was a worker. You know, he, he liked to lift weights then and. All those things. So we just felt that, uh, you know, we could help him and just to see the, uh, to see all the, uh, you know, information. I mean, see, he, he developed, you know, the whole time it was there. You could just see that he was going to be a really good player because he really liked to work. Was,
1: was there an on the field moment? Was there a game that stood out to you where you, like, saw it clicking where you realized, like, oh, th- th- this guy's going to end up in the NFL at some point?
2: Um, you know, you just basically, I don't know if it was one game, but you just saw the development and you saw how he,
3: um,
2: uh, ended up, um, uh, uh, developing each year as he was there. Uh, I think that was the biggest thing that, um, you know, for me is just watching the development every year. He just got better. And he just, a he was a worker, you know, and he's strong, powerful, you know, and did all those things that, uh, uh, he needed to do
1: in order to be as good as he became. He is former Maryland coach Randy Edsel. He's with us on GCR telling us about new Raven Travis Jones. Coach, um, as far as being a defensive tackle, is he a true kind of run stuffer, the way that we remember like the Tony Saraguses of the world to be? Is he someone that we could expect could be more involved in the backfield and, and make him plays against quarterbacks? Well,
2: I, I think that's one thing where he maybe wasn't as highly uh, regarded in maybe some camps as he was maybe other ones. He, he's got tremendous strength and got tremendous leverage. And I was down at the senior bowl for two days and I went down there and he just dominated those guys down there. He's going to get a push in the run game, but he's going to surprise people in terms of the pressure he can get. Um, and rushing the it on the passing down as well. Wow! You know, and and I think the one thing is that going into the system there that um, the Ravens have and the, and the organization under Steve uh, uh, Steve Busciotti and then with John and and Eric, uh, I think he's going to be well served because he's going to have some veterans there. I believe that are going to be able to help him and show him you know that first year or so. And, you know, he'll learn from that because Travis is one of those guys that's a, a sponge. He's got to take it all in. He's got to look for, you know, those, you know, that kind of um, veteran uh, mentorship, you know, that I think he'll get there in Baltimore. And um, But I think, he's, I think he's got the ability to be able to play all three downs. And, you know, he's, you know, he's just
1: a big, strong, powerful uh, person. Uh, you had four and a, four and a half sacks a year ago, and, and that's certainly appealing. And, and whether that can translate, we'll find out. But boy, that's exciting to think about, coach. Yeah, handling adversity, I mean, obviously, you guys weren't able to play in 2020, and I know things have been tough the last couple of years. How did he handle all that adversity? And do you think that, that going through that type of stuff maybe has him a bit more pro ready because you can't throw something at him that's maybe trickier than what he's already been through? Well, you
2: know, I think, I think Travis has a chip on his shoulder.
1: You know, I really do. I mean,
2: he I know when he went to the senior bowl, he wanted to be able to show people, yeah, okay, I'm not from a power five school, but I'm, I, I can play. And and I can play this game pretty well. And so I think that's the thing, you know, that he's always going to have in his mind that he's always going to have a chip on his shoulder. and He knows he's, he wants to. He's got something to prove, and he's gonna go out there each and every day and try to prove it. And when he went against Clemson this past year and and was uh, down to the Senior Bowl, he more than held his own. Right, you know, against those type of people. So, you know, but he's one of those guys that, like I said, he doesn't he doesn't say a whole lot, you know. And like uh, like I said, nicest kid, and you know, come up and introduce himself to you and everything like that, and just wants to work and. He's got to put in the time and do everything he can to be the best he can be, and, you know, there's not going to be any issues on or off the field, you know, with him. And like I said, I think he'll fit very well into the culture there that the, that
1: the Ravens have. It's hard for me to fathom a, like, six-four monster defensive lineman who ended up with, like, nearly 10 sacks in his career being someone that was ever overlooked, right? Like, it's just hard for me to fathom what somebody, you know, what other coaches didn't see. Um, when they were scouting a, a kid like that coming out of high school, w- was he a late bloomer at all, Coach? Was that part of it?
2: No, I mean he came from Wilberforce High School in New Haven, and it, you know that's not uh, a powerhouse, and you know, and uh, you know my son, Torin, recruited him, and you know we just stayed on him, and he wasn't heavily recruited, and you know he wasn't a guy that, you know, he's not one of those internet guys and everything else, and you know, a self promoter and, yeah. and and all that stuff, and. You know, and, you know, he went from, like, 355 pounds down to 325 pounds. So that tells you something about the kid right there, you know, in terms of work you ethic. Know, trying, trying to put him, you know, be in the best shape he can be, his work ethic, you know, all those things. And he was a captain, you know, for us. And, you know, he's one of those guys that's going to do it more by example. I mean, he'll speak up if he has to. But, you know, he, he's just a, he's a driven person. He knows what he wants to accomplish. And being around the type of people within that Ravens organization is only going to benefit him even more so, and it's going to help him continue to develop because he hasn't—he hasn't—he hasn't reached his full potential yet. That's a wow. good thing. He—he's not
1: maxed out. He's—he's.
2: He's, John's going to get him, and his defensive coaches are going to get him, and everything else. And you're going to see the guy, you know, continually improve each and every year.
1: You mentioned the, the term chip on his shoulder. He, you know, there are people that thought he was a first-round type of talent. He ends up falling to round three. Do you feel like that's the type of thing that will, will also motivate him, that there, there were a lot of teams that had a lot of opportunities to take him and didn't?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, with, with that, yeah, I think that will motivate him. But as I've always tried to tell guys that I've coached, don't, don't listen to all the pre-draft stuff and all those things because you never know. And having haven't coached in the NFL myself and sitting in those draft rooms and sitting in the draft meetings and all those sort of things. You don't know how things are going to fall and, and, and all that. Just, just be uh, thankful for the opportunity. But knowing Travis the way I know him, yes, he'll use that as uh, fuel to say, you know, hey, I'm going to show people and just but that's his nature. He wants to be the best he can be, and he's got to work and do whatever he has to do to be the best he
1: can be. I like the sounds of that. Uh, Coach Randy Edsel with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Coach, what's going on with you? Um, you know, I, I, you have plans. You already have something in line. Is the NFL back in the picture? What's, what's going on in your world? It's... <laughs> My world? I'm retired. I'm, I'm enjoying yeah. retirement. I'm, I'm done coaching. Forever, you know. like, is that a certainty for you? Have you decided you're done, oh, done?
2: I'm done you
1: know I'm done I'm I, I just
2: I made that decision I'm living down in uh, Atlantic Beach Florida and live there full time I play golf 6 days a week and I play 7 but my course is closed on Mondays so <laughs> I can't I can't play on Mondays I you know and I play 27 on Wednesdays because Mike Malarkey and Tom Coughlin we play 9 holes together in the afternoon so there's a bunch of guys that I know that are down that live in the neighborhood where I'm living in down there and you know, I'm 100 yards from the beach, and, you know, hey, I had, a, I had a great great run and a great time coaching and everything else, but, you know, I'm, I'm very content and very happy, you know, with what I'm doing, and plus with the, the transfer portal and the uh, <laughs> name, image, and likeness. Uh, I don't even want to be a part of that stuff anymore. We were just, I was just at a function of the Peach Bowl Challenge uh, golf tournament last, over the last couple of days, and... Uh, It was funny because one of the guys from the Peach Bowl said to me, he said, Randy, he said, look at all you guys that are retired. Steve Spurrier, Frank Beamer, you know, Houston Nutt, a bunch of guys were there. And then you had the current coaches that were there. And he said, you guys are all smiling. But these current guys, they got frowns on their face. They're all upset. I'm playing golf. I'm playing with Pat Narduzzi. He's on the phone the whole 18 holes because he's got his wide receiver going into the portal. And he's trying to get all that stuff figured out. I mean... My phone doesn't ring anymore. I don't have phone calls at midnight saying you got this issue, that issue. So I'm I'm very happy and content playing off and spending more, a lot of time with my wife.
1: Is there anybody that could call you that would make you change? Is there any one person you're like, man? I, I hope he doesn't call because that might make me think about it again. No. Okay. Uh, it, it, it it wouldn't matter who would call because
2: because <coughs> excuse me, but yeah, when we finished up our round. I was talking to Steve Spurrier. He said, "So, so really?" He says, "Where's your next coaching gig gonna be?" I said, "Steve, there is no more coaching gigs." He said, "Really?" I said, "Yep." I said, "I am done." You know, so you know, I'm I'm not. It, it, nobody could call me. It wouldn't get me, you know, back. You know, like I said, I've I've done it, did it for over forty years, forty two years, and enjoyed it, the relationships. But you know, now I want to be able to do the things that I wanted to do maybe before. And now I'm getting the opportunity. I'm going to a couple of to play next week. So, man. you know. <laughs> you know, that doesn't sound
1: so bad, Coach. That doesn't sound like no. a bad way to spend some time. That sounds like a decent. You know, if, I tell you what, if I could sign myself up for that life, it doesn't sound like one that I would want to turn down. Um, do, do you stay in touch with any of the Do you stay in touch? Like, yeah, obviously, Stefan's, I think, the richest man on the face of the planet. you stay in touch with any of those guys? Some,
2: you know, you, you text guys back and forth and things, and, you know, they they got their stuff. But, you know, you're happy for a guy like him and Yannick, and, you know, and that's the thing. You know, I've, I've had the ability to, to work with a lot of good coaches, a lot of guys on my staff, and then also, you know, a lot of good players. And you know what? That's what it's all about to me. It was all about working with people and giving them opportunities that maybe they didn't think they could get or, helping them get opportunities that people helped me get. So, you know, that's the thing that I take from the coaching. Is, is just that it was a way for me to give back to help people accomplish goals that they wanted to accomplish. Not just the guys who go to the NFL, but, you know, the guys who maybe didn't play as much, who got the degrees, but were very successful in life. And, you know, that's what it's all about. And It's sad to see college football really getting away from, from those things nowadays and, and what's happening. But, uh, but no, I got, I got no regrets and very happy with what I was able to accomplish in coaching for those 42 years, and now, like I said, that's behind me, and I'm already on to the next chapter, and enjoyed it very much.
1: Well, we'll look forward to seeing uh, Travis Jones over the years, and maybe uh, an appearance from you at some point in Baltimore to watch your guy, Randy Edsall. Uh, congratulations! Well,
2: I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be up. I'm gonna come up this fall because I got a good friend of mine from up in Pennsylvania, where I grew up, who's got tickets right behind the Ravens bench, right there, very like in cool. the first or second row. So. So, I'm going to I already got it in range where I'm going to come up and visit him, and we're, he's going to take me down to I'm gonna go to the game. So, That's awesome. I'm definitely going to get up the
1: scene twice. That'll be really neat. Coach, uh, congratulations on a, on a great run in your career, and looking forward to seeing what your guy, Travis Jones, is going to bring the ball tomorrow over the years. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. We really appreciate okay. it. Okay. Really appreciate it, Coach Biden. Thanks. Coach Randy still checking in with us here on GCR. A um, lot to like about what he had to say about Travis Jones. We'll see, you know, like how much the pass rush translates to the next level. I don't even know if that's necessarily. It's funny because who was it we were talking to? We were talking to um, Rick Spielman uh, who said that Michael Pierce in Minnesota gave them more in the pass rush department than what they had expected to get out of him when they signed him. And so, you know, there's a thought that maybe he would have more to offer in that department as he comes back to uh, baltimore than what we saw from him the first time around it could provide a as we try to figure out what they're going to do given the lack of edge rush on this team a huge way to improve that would be able to get more push from their down linemen it's easier said than done obviously particularly in a 3-4 defense but it would go a long way into improving the rest, the edge rush situation as a whole, without them taking an impact edge rusher for this year, again, hoping that David Ajabo becomes that guy at some point. It would go a long way if some of that problem would be solved by you're inserting Michael Pierce, who's maybe better in that department than what we had seen before, and Travis Jones, who has more to offer in that department than perhaps people realize, onto the defensive line, and that helps improve everyone. We'll see. It's, there's no guarantee of it. It's just something to monitor as you deal with the fact, and it's a con- conversation that continues about the Ravens and what they have and don't have in terms of edge rush. Um, what he, he started veering into the topic of NIL. Look, man, yeah, coaches are going to say this ad nauseum, and, and there's been a lot that's been made of like the Jay Wrights of the world. That there are a lot of coaches who just say, I'm good. The job got harder. I'm good. I don't have sympathy for any of these guys. You're getting paid an awful lot of money. It's still a very lucrative job for the most part. Even when it's not lucrative, you're well compensated. The work's hard. Well, a lot of us have to work hard. Welcome to the club. The job is harder than it used to be because of the transfer portal and because of NIL. There's no question. Being a college coach is a harder job than it was 10 years ago. No debate about that whatsoever. But that doesn't make it wrong. That doesn't mean it should go away. If you're someone, and I don't know what Randy Edsel's opportunities would have been. Clearly, it did not go well either at Maryland or a second time around at UConn. I'm going to guess the opportunities were going to be limited. So it might be easier for him to say, eh, I'm good. Eh, go back, be an assistant. Eh, I'm good. I'm good. I got enough. I have banked enough. Jay, of, Wright, Jay Wright has made a lot more and has been far more successful in his mm-hmm. career. But it's easier for a coach to say, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to do that. That's their choice. It's fine. If if you're in that position where you've made enough money and you don't have to do it, God bless you. You don't have to do it. But the idea that that means that we should change the job, we need to make the job easier for the guys that still have it, that you know, it's too tough of a job for Mike Loxley, Nah. Is the reality, and schools are going to have to build it, and if they believe that, that these sports are profitable, and they do, they, I assure you they do, you build a stronger support staff to help handle the unique challenges of NIL and the transfer portal. You do whatever you got to do. They definitely think the sports are profitable enough that they can do that, and the jobs still seem to be lucrative enough that plenty of qualified candidates want them. Would college basketball be better with Jay Wright? Probably, on the whole. College basketball would probably be better if Jay Wright was still there. But does Jay Wright retiring mean college basketball is ruined? And I don't even know that uniquely this is the reason why Jay Wright retired. It might just very well be that he was going to retire anyway. Even if there was no NIL. Even if there was no. The idea that this is proof that it doesn't work or that you have to change the rules or something like that, nonsense. And Most people would say, particularly nonsense that Randy Edsel's saying that. I mean, Randy Edsel, I've never had an issue with Randy Edsel whatsoever. He and I got along quite fine. But let's be very blunt about it. If Randy Edsel was struggling before these things came along, he definitely wasn't likely to get better when the job got more difficult. I don't think anybody is lamenting the idea that this is what has run Randy Edsel out of the game. I think that most people would say, okay, we'll, we'll be all right with that. Not that I'm wishing ill on Randy Edsel, just I think that's the reality of the circumstance.
0: Playing golf six days a week. Yeah, I I could. love golf, and I don't think I could do that.
1: Oh, I wouldn't. It would. I mean, it's, golf isn't my game. But it's like you playing tennis. But I'm telling you, I would. Yeah. Like if I got to a certain point in my life, and I was still able to get around, and I watch some of these old guys. Man, I, we uh, John Proctor and I played on Sunday morning, and there was a, a group playing doubles next to us, and there was an old guy. Like, it was, it was younger guys and then one old guy that was part of the group, and he was still getting up for ball. Like, he was definitely better than Proctor and I were. Mm. And I was like, damn, that would be awesome. Like, to be the age where you could just play tennis and get better at it, and you've done enough in your life that, like, you can just carve out time in your day every day to go play tennis. Like, eh, that's that's the new goal for me in life, like, is to, to get to a place... I don't think I'll ever be able to retire. I don't think I, that's just going to be an option for me. I don't think I have a retirement fund. I, don't, I haven't spent a lot of time on those types of things, but, man, that would be great. All right, hour number one of today's show is in the books. And hour number two, Taylor Cummings, Maryland legend, is going to join us. We'll get ready for this summer's World Lacrosse Championships right here in our backyard. She'll tell us all about that. Today's show also brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. We were just talking about Adley Rutchman earlier in the hour. He's on the cover. Great cover story from Luke Jackson. Go pick that up right now. Print issue of PressBox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. two sauce. And take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul
0: Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. That's the bat live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon.
1: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on
3: Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
1: Into hour number two of GCR. Glenn Clark, Paul Valley with you. Um... You know what? I, I just realized I wanted to talk. Pi, I, I, uh, can I talk about what's going on? Can we can we share that? You okay with me sharing that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I only I'm going to do this on the show because you guys are going to see me post some things publicly a little bit later today, and I just want to talk about it uh, really quickly. So later today, we're going to um, be kind of posting publicly uh, that we are looking for a new permanent producer and sidekick for the show. And... Um, Paul's unfortunately only been with us for a little while, but he's taking a job at Super Megacorp. He's going into the workforce. He's going to become a working stiff. And it's just not one that's going to be able to, to keep him here. And we, we certainly know um, the realities of, of what we're doing here. I'll, I'll pull back the curtain for you guys. This job is not a full-time job, unfortunately. It is, we do a two-hour show every day. Um, so your schedule kind of has to work with, this time in order for this job to work. And when Paul took the job, it worked quite well. But unfortunately, Paul is, um, a, 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 he's going to going to work for the man. He's going to, 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 to be this guy for the next 50 years. And he's going to go down and, and drink Schlitzes on the weekends <laughs> with the boys. I mean, I, it, this happens. This certainly happens. And and we understand it. And Paul's going to be with us for another couple weeks. And I think we might have some interim solutions But we're going to need, no matter what, ultimately we're going to need a permanent um, uh, replacement for Paul, and we're going to be opening that up. It just so happened to work out when Kyle left that Paul was here, and it was serendipitous that we didn't need to open it up and do a search or anything along those lines. It worked out perfectly. Um, unfortunately some of our internal candidates, it's a very similar situation because their own schedules and their own jobs, it just won't work out for them to be the permanent option. Again, they can help in other capacities and they can be, um, some interim solutions for us, but couldn't do the job permanently. And, and that's okay. And we understand that and we know what it is that we're dealing with and, and I wish that I could say that we could change what the job is and so, you know, we could make it, uh, A well-paying six-figure job i'd like that for me personally (laughs) be willing to split a six-figure job with someone frankly um so that's the reality of the circumstance so when you see that pop up later i don't want you all to be caught off guard um or think that we're hiding something from you Um, paul let us know a while ago and gave us plenty of time in order to be prepared for it we are gonna look I say we're going to look to move quickly. We don't, I don't know if we're going to look to move as quickly. It's just kind of depend on what our interim options are. Um, if there's someone that could take the job over permanently quickly, that would be ideal, right? Cause we could have them ready to go in a few weeks and, and, and get them up to speed and, and be ready to be part of it. Um, but, You're going to see that. I'm going to be starting to put it out there, and we'll be posting it to various job boards and places. It is a part-time job that you know what the hours are. These are the hours that are required. It's for a young person or someone whose other work lines up hourly with this working out. Paul was working nights, so it worked out perfectly. Um, That's who this job is for uniquely, and that we understand limits our our pool like we get that but that's the reality of the circumstances and for somebody that's looking to get into the business particularly if you're a young person it's a great opportunity for you to uh, cut your teeth and sort of learn your way we understand that the person that we hire if the job continues to be this might not be someone who's here much longer than paul was we get that um you know kyle was a little invested because he helped us launch this thing so he wanted to stick around for as long as he possibly could but we get it ultimately life is life and we understand the way that works so i'm just sharing that with you so that you're not you guys aren't caught off guard later when you see what the hell they're looking for a producer did, you, did they fire paul no we didn't fire paul's super mega court baby like tps reports the whole deal that's the way it's gonna go he's, he's selling paper in scranton pennsylvania and uh, and we wish him well and he's still gonna you're still gonna do the baseball show um yeah. moving forward so the bat around won't change paul will still be here every saturday morning talking baseball um, even after uh, he moves on from uh, from being a part of us so that's just full, full disclosure
0: if, if I may comment on it um,
1: no th- okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> now th- this is um. For me, it's it, it's a little heartbreaking uh, um, because working in sports is something I've wanted to do since I was a teenager, and I, I love doing it, but uh, somebody once said, there comes a time when you have to stop doing what you want to do, and yeah, you have to start doing re- what, you, what you have to do. It's the
1: reality of the circumstances. And, uh,
0: Glenn and Stan and John have always been so helpful for me, and they've given me a lot of opportunities. They gave me my first opportunity to get to, to be paid to work in sports, and I will be forever grateful. Like Glenn said, I'm yeah, not... a six-figure job. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'm not fully going away. I'm still going to do the bat around. Uh, there's a reason I got choked up telling you guys um hey man, we, we, it, it, you got I, I respect you guys so much and i love to do this it's just what i have to do I if the, i want to start a family the
1: bad news is our highlight reel is not going to be significant we, we just didn't have you for long enough for the it's, it, the I highlight know. reel isn't it's basically going to be when you eat the watermelon next week like yeah. that's going to be the entirety of the a- highlight and me reel going to see have. limp biscuit uh, right next Sunday. right and yeah. he's still going to do those things he's still going to yeah. pay off the it's part of the reason why i wanted the when i when i lined up the time for when we pay off the bet part of the reason i wanted to do it quickly one i knew ken zales was retiring two i knew that paul was leaving so i was like well if it's one of those two we need to do it quickly (laughs) Mm -mm. if it was me we could wait forever but i would have been willing to do it quickly um so we'll do that and he's still going to go see limp biscuit he's still going to pay off and you would still have to pay off if you lose the baseball bet this year we still got to deal with that with you need to uh, touch base with arditi and figure out what's Uh, going on he still uh, uh, owes uh, uh. us from last year need to figure out what's going on with that and i kind of wanted to make a punishment week next week i kind of wanted to do a full you pay off your punishment Steck is paying off his punishment next Friday. He's coming back. He's literally flying home to eat a tarantula. I haven't and seen... And get his back waxed. Now. I haven't seen... I need him to send pig... Steck, you know, he's joining us on uh, Weekend at Bookies. We'll talk about it then. Um, I haven't seen, like, a picture of of the, the tarantula. I would assume that he's got it by now. I can't mm. believe he's he's pushing it all the way up against when he's got to fly It's a fly dead home. tarantula, right? Yes, it's not eating a live tarantula. You can order them on Amazon. You can get... It's like a prepared cooked tarantula, but you're still looking at a tarantula that you're about God. to consume. I'm so glad I wasn't part much, of that. It's a bit much, man. It is a bit much. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what you need to know. We will be, just when you see that pop up later today, it's not, there's there's nothing crazy going on. Nobody's been fired. Nobody's, you know, given us the double bird and walked out the door. Uh, Paul's going to be here for another couple of weeks, but we got to start making plans for who the permanent um, replacement for Paul will be so don't be alarmed or shocked uh, when you start uh, po- when you see the, that posted it's going to have to be posted today I was I, I, there was one person who was an option that I was kind of letting that drag out for a little bit um, who still I think is going to be part of, of getting it shepherding us through this time period but either way we're going to need a permanent per- person for the job or a more permanent person for the job so um, we'll start posting and looking for that and if you know somebody who you think is looking to dip their toes into these waters, break in, get an opportunity, then please have them email me. In fact, email me on my personal email, glenclarkradio at gmail.com. Um, if you think that there's somebody that would be a fit or that would be interested, please um, let me know. It is an hourly position and it kind of works with your availability. If you're available for more of the day, there might be a couple more hours available um, You know, for some various things. So, that's 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 what's going on i think we've handled that i think that's all anybody needed to know i think it's probably more than you needed to know but again I, I don't like doing things and leaving people asking questions so i don't want you to see you know searching for a glenn clark radio producer and being like what the hell what the, what, what, what is that all about um so now you have your answer uh, paul's going to the big time workforce he's going to go be a he's going to go to bethlehem steel uh that's that's the way that this is all going to go play out all right so there's that now Couple of things. One, uh, Ravens rookie camp gets underway today out in Owings Mills. I I don't think they're doing on field today. I think on field is today or tomorrow and Saturday. I think today is just a um, uh, like an orientation type of deal. So a lot of people commenting. David Ajabo did a lengthy thing with Alex Pruitt. Uh, Alex Pruitt, who used to work, uh, he used to cover Maryland now um, covers college football, college sports for SI, and he did a lengthy story about David Ajabo, and in that story, says, instead, as always, he is looking forward, or looking ahead to his next lofty dream, this time a healthy return to the field for his NFL debut in 2022. Quote, so far, no pain, good flexibility, already biking, unquote, he says. Quote, Cam Akers busted it and played in five and a half months. That lands me at August, September, maybe even October. Season's still going, so yeah, I anticipate playing, unquote. Even if he is asked to take it slow and sit out for a year, though, the approach won't change. Quote, the way I carried myself throughout the ho- my whole life is what got me here, so I'm just going to apply that, unquote. It doesn't really tell us anything, and of course a player who's trying to maximize his value, like, David Ajabo definitely wants you to believe he's going to be available to, play, available to play this year, and it's what he's been telling teams unquestionably throughout the process. He's not going to, five minutes after he gets drafted, turn around and said, I lied to all of you. I can't play until 2023. That's not going to be the case. But to be fair, you know, it is something that we've talked about. The timeline for these injuries is not what it was 10 years ago. Now, What Alex Pruitt said there is relevant, too. You're probably less likely to rush someone like David Ajabo than you would be an established player. The comparison to Cam Akers, for example, is a bit different. The Rams knew what Cam Akers was capable of doing, how helpful he had been to their football team, and as they were trying to win a Super Bowl, they were probably willing to to put Cam Akers out there a bit quicker than they put a less-proven commodity. David Ajabo in the NFL is a less-proven commodity, which doesn't mean he couldn't be ready in a similar timeline and really could be ready by November to play in the NFL. I think if we're being realistic, we still acknowledge that expectations for a player that is still young in his own football career, has only been playing the sport for a few years, and is coming off a serious injury, should be tempered even if he did see the field this season. But I don't think it's a certainty. I've never thought it was a certainty that he couldn't play at all in 2022. He clearly doesn't think it's a certainty that he couldn't play at all in 2022. I definitely don't think the Ravens should just announce... This is going to be a red shirt year for David Ajabo particularly because they're going to have the advantage of putting him on the pup list. He's not going to have to be someone who's designated a return from IR. He's going to be on IR to start the season. They have a while to figure out whether or not he's going to have to be put on NC. In- like there's there's no the time frame for this is so far down the road as far as any decision the Ravens have to make related to their roster that it's not even worth worrying about much right now. Now, when we get six weeks into the season, that'll be different. They're going to need to have a better feel for where they, where they, where he is, when they could activate him, all of those things. But today, it's kind of irrelevant. Today, it's just wait and see. I, I don't think the Ravens should be operating fully with the idea that there's no way, even if we think he's ready, we wouldn't let him. We're going to give him a redshirt year. If the guy can play, Lord knows what other injuries you might have. You absolutely might end up giving David Ajabo the chance to play. Just it'd be insane to just say we wouldn't. It'd be nuts. But that's something that we'll we'll deal with as we get it's clearly not in the plans for week one. I mean, that would be nuts. Mm. It'd be nuts to think that David Ajabo is going to be part of the plans for week one. But could he be part of the plans for this season? Maybe. Let's temper expectations. Let's be reasonable about this, but could he maybe be part of the plans for this year? Maybe is the fairest way to say it. Maybe David Ajabo could be part of it somehow, some way. We'll see. We'll see. Don't have any. Um, don't have any guarantees. All right, um, from, from Joe. Joe says, Glenn, as far as your question about the wide receiver room, this is where I'm at. I absolutely want to see them bring in a veteran. I think Jarvis Landry is the guy that makes the most sense, even if he's not a natural Hollywood Brown replacement. I guess in my mind, the way this works is that DuVernay is asked to do more of what Hollywood Brown did. They just use them in different ways. And instead, you want to have guys that you can rely on to catch the ball when the ball is thrown, but also are physical and capable blockers. I just don't think it's the exact same usage of wide receivers as it was before. You still want to have speed on the field, and DuVernay can do that, but you want to have one more guy you can rely on. It won't be perfect. There's no way they can have a perfect group at this point. Yeah, probably the case that's it's probably the case at this point that there's just you're gonna have to work with what you got and go from there from dan dan says sorry i'm going through a bunch of different things Thank you. From Dan. uh, Glenn, as far as what I want to do at wide receiver, yes, ideally I want to trade for a top guy like a Samuel or a McLaurin. If that is not possible, and I'm willing to pay a heavy price for either one, they're both outstanding talents in different ways and guys that are worth paying big prices and big contracts to because that's the way the game works any longer. If that's not an option, then at this point I would probably say don't even bother with any of these other veteran receivers and just go with the group that you have. Either I need someone who's top-notch, or I don't need to waste any more resources at that position, particularly if the money that's required in order to sign that type of player means that you have to cut someone. I will cut someone for Debo Samuel or Terry McLaurin. Boy, that sounds threatening, the way that he said it. I'll cut cut someone, right? I'll cut someone for Debo Samuel or Terry McLaurin, but not for T.Y. Hilton or even Julio Jones. I mean, I don't think that you should have to cut anyone to, in order to...
0: You said yesterday you got four guys in there. What's that? You, you said yesterday you only got four guys in there. Why would you have to cut somebody?
1: I think he means more contract wise. Mm-hmm. Like if the if in order to, oh, to gotcha, create gotcha, money gotcha. after you pay your rookie class you need to find money somewhere else. Like there's some weird bit over the weekend where people are talking about cutting Nick Boyle. I'm like Nick... First of all you don't even save money until next year with Nick Boyle. I'm like what... How, how backwards do our brains work that you take two tight ends in the fourth round of the draft, and you're like, well, I guess that means someone's got to go. Yeah, people see Mark what? Andrews in the third round, didn't see Dennis it in the fourth round, they think that all tight ends I, are interchangeable. I, I look, I hope these guys hit. Hayden Hurst was a first round pick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like he gone. And, and by the way, he was. Uh, it's unfair to Hayden Hurst. He was fine. He was helpful. Yeah, he was a solid player. He was. If, if these guys end up being Hayden Hurst, that's a huge win because you took him in the fourth round, not in the first round. It's a massive win. The problem was you took Hayden Hurst in the first round and he didn't pan out to be worth a first-round pick. Um, but if one of these two dudes can be anything like Hayden Hurst, whew, that's a massive win for the Baltimore Ravens if it pans out that way. But they're also not what Nick Boyle is. They're not blocking tight ends. These guys are space guys. These guys are get open guys these guys are not nick boyle and given what the ravens do it's a nuts comparison so i saw people talking about that there's somebody else who i saw like maybe oh chuck clark a lot of people talked about chuck clark being on the chopping block i you would try to trade chuck clark if that mm-hmm. were the case you certainly wouldn't be releasing him that wouldn't make any sense in the world and it's not going to save you all that much money i was looking at that the other day i don't even know that it saves you anything right now so i, I don't see that either you're also you guys got to remember there are going to be injuries. Somebody's going to get hurt between now and the start of the season, so to the greater point that he made that you know if it costs you something, you don't necessarily want to do it. Eh, you know I hear you i i i I can't fathom Jarvis Landry is the only one of this group that I think would be costing you real money. I just can't. Fa- I mean, if if any of these other guys want real money, then it's a simple answer, and there's a limit too to what you would pay to Jarvis Landry. Continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, as uh, we will discuss that. What do you want by the time we get to the season? What do you want the Ravens wide receiver room to look like? That is the topic that we are discussing this morning here on GCR. Let's uh, pause from that, however, and discuss something else, is there is a massive event coming to our backyard this summer and someone who's going to be a part of that is one of the greatest players in the history of the sport she is a maryland legend she is taylor cummings and she's gearing up for the women's lacrosse world championships at towson university june 29th through july 9th she's with us here on gcr taylor it's glenn and paul it's great to chat with you thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning Super excited
4: to be on, and thanks so much for for having me on.
1: It's great to chat with you. Taylor, can you put into words, like, what this means to you Um, as a kid who's from here, your life has been here, that you get to now play for a world championship in your own backyard this summer? Like, have you been able to fully grasp what that means? Will it maybe not hit you until you actually take the field?
4: You know, I think it's one of those things that I probably won't be able to put into words and fully recognize until until we're on the field for opening ceremonies. Um, You know, my whole playing career has basically been in the state of Maryland. And who knows what's to come after this world championship. So the fact that we get to not only host in the United States, but to have the games in a state where a few of us are from, compete against hometown fans, I mean, what more could you
1: ask for? And it's incredible. I mean, it's absolutely incredible that this something that's happening this way. I, I think a lot of people, Taylor, would just assume, hey, look, this is the the, the world championships. The United States the, would win this every time, right? But I don't think they realize how, how good, how deep, how competitive the world championships really are.
4: There are so many different countries who are talented, who are growing, who bring really, really talented teams to world championships each year. And, you know, Canada, England, Australia, they are the cream of the crop. They are so talented across the board. And a lot of United States players playing for them. So they play collegiately in the United States. They go on to play for their country elsewhere. Um, So it's by no means going to be an easy task to, to fight for gold. And we've also never, no host country has ever won on their home soil. So, we're really trying to to bring home a gold on home soil for the first time.
1: Taylor, how, it, it, it's such a weird thing, right? Because the two previous times that the United States hosted are the only two times the US hasn't won the world championship, right? Uh, 90 in 90 or 86 in Philadelphia it was Australia and then 2005 in Annapolis when it was also Australia. How important is that? Like it, do you do you feel like it's an added level of pressure? being the host to try to win a world championship? I know you haven't been there before, so I I don't know that you can define it quite so much, but how much is that something you guys are talking about that you got to be aware of, whatever that pressure might be?
4: You know, I think a lot of people have told us that, you know, no host has ever won. I didn't know that, honestly, until we were hosting. Um, So I think, you know, our team is really, we're working with sports psychologists trying to, you know, do our jobs on our end to make sure that the distractions of hosting don't get in the way of our play. And I think we're just excited for, you know, to get out and compete in front of fans. At the end of the day, our team wants to grow the sport. We want to grow the sport locally. We want to grow the sport internationally. And we're just really excited to be able to go out and compete and compete against talented teams. And our goal is to win a gold, whether we're on our home soil or in Canada or England or anywhere else. And, um, I think we're excited about the opportunity to not only potentially win and fight for gold, but to be able to do so on our home soil for the first time.
1: The 2022 World Lacrosse Women's World Championship will be at Towson University starting on June 29th, the opening ceremony in USA Canada, through July 9th, the closing ceremony and the championship game. You can go to Women's World Lacs. 2022.com right now in order to get your tickets and find out more about this summer's world championships. You know, Taylor, you've, you've obviously done just about everything there is to do in the sport to this point. Does, does it, I don't want to say like this completes anything because my God, you still have plenty of years of playing lacrosse that could be ahead of you. But like, where does this feel as important to say, Hey, look for everything I've done, hosting and winning a world championship would, would sort of be, like, the pinnacle at this point in the sport? It's...
4: You know, I think having been away from the college game for so long, um, U.S. has really become a huge focus of mine. And yeah. luckily we've had the professional leagues develop, and we were able to play in Athletes Unlimited th- last summer. And it's it's going on again this summer after world championships. But, you know, U.S. is that one thing that, you know, the reason that so many of us got to into playing is to be a part of a team and work together towards that goal. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's a goal of all of ours and having it be a year delayed due to COVID, it's something that means even more to us now. And um, I don't know what, what is to come post world championships, but I think all of us know the incredible opportunity that we have and, just not gonna take any second that we have the opportunity to wear a penny or a jersey or even a US T shirt for granted.
1: Taylor, you were on the twenty seventeen team, correct? Correct. What what was that experience like for you? After everything you had accomplished, I mean all the championships, Twarth and Awards, what was that like for you to win your first world championship?
4: It was unbelievable and, you know, having one national championships, you you feel like that's that's the highest it can go and Then to be on foreign soil, to hear the national anthem played before a world cup final, you know, I remember like tearing up because it just means so much that you, you know, you're truly representing your country and and what an honor that is. So yeah, playing for Maryland was the greatest experience of my life playing for the U S team, probably the most humbling experience of my life. And the biggest honors are playing for both of those. So, um, you know, Having competed in 2017, I know how special it is. And we have a few players who are on that 2017 team returning to the 2022 team that, you know, bring a lot of experience and emotion. And I think we're excited to hopefully be able to replicate that and also be able to witness now these first-timers go through it and and feel how special it
1: is. And a few of your former Maryland teammates who are back for this uh, world championship roster, correct?
4: Correct. We have four Terps three of which, um, played in world championships in 2017, Alice Mercer, who was my class, um, Meg Dowdy, who was a year above me. And then Lizzie Colson, who was, we just missed by, by a year, Alice and I. So lots of Kirk blood and, um, you know, a lot of UNC blood and Syracuse blood, Stony Brook blood. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of players who went to school together, which I think just really brings that camaraderie and that chemistry together as well.
1: I imagine you got to be feeling pretty good about the last few weeks from the Terps, too. By the way, like they, whatever that little blip was against James Madison, they got that figured out pretty quickly.
4: Yeah, they're having a great year. Um, really excited for Big Ten tournament to start tomorrow for them, and yep. just see see what happens. This is the best time of year for lacrosse, and we're gonna finish it up with world world championships afterwards. And I mean, if you're a lacrosse fan in in the U.S., but particularly in Maryland, like, what a great time to, to be here.
1: <laughs> what else is going on with you? I mean, you know, obviously, you've been co- you coach, you. What else is going on in your world, Taylor?
4: So, we are in the middle of playoffs for McDonough. Playoffs start tomorrow yeah. um, for our varsity program. I'm c- continuing with my Taylor Cummings lacrosse company, doing clinics and lessons locally and throughout the country um and and recently was recently also aligned with uh Team 18 with Kyle Harrison he's starting a girl side to to his organization so lots of lacrosse lots of opportunities still playing still coaching um just busy all around but loving every second
1: you you know obviously like it's being such a great player and and clearly you've had a lot of success as a coach at McDonough we know that but is it ever, a lot of times people talk about great players transitioning to coaches and it's tough because you just find yourself saying, hey, I can do that. Why can't you do that? Do you ever have those moments as a coach where it's just frustrating because, like, you know that you could do something and not every player can do it the same way?
4: You know, I think coaching has helped me. I think because I still play, it helps me with coaching. And I think coaching has helped me play. Um, and I think as far as, you know, whether I'm working with, sixth graders or my mcdonough team or you know a random you know random clinic somewhere wherever it is um you know i think what's helped me is figuring out that you know players absorb information differently some need to be shown some need to be talked through it some need to see it and so because of that you know I'm, i'm able to not be frustrated because I just have to try all these different techniques until something clicks. And I think that moment of seeing a kid get it and seeing them be really excited and proud of themselves for for accomplishing, you know, a split dodge or a shot or whatever it is, that's really exciting. And I think that's probably the most rewarding part about it is just that moment where it clicks.
1: That's cool. That's, that's a really cool thing to hear about uh, you, how you've kind of grown as a coach. It's a really neat thing. All right, this summer – it, the place to be is Towson University, and it's going to be an amazing, amazing event for the World Lacrosse Women's Championships. Uh, and as I mentioned, you can go get your tickets right now by going to Women's womensworldlax2022.com. Taylor, what else can we plug for you? Social media, the your business, anything. What can we get plugs in for?
4: Um, I am on Instagram, taylorcummings underscore. Um, make sure you follow USA Women's... Wlax as well. Um, that'll have all information about World Cup, I mean World Championships, our upcoming training events. Um, anything that you want to see from this summer will probably be on one of those too.
1: <laughs> so give it a follow there and again get your tickets, come out and support what's an incredible event uh, for our region and it's going to bring in a lot of folks from all over the world. It's going to be a huge, huge deal for our community. So please make sure you are supporting it. Taylor Cummings, uh, was a joy to. It's always been a joy to watch you play this game. Uh, can't wait to see you at Towson this summer. Looking forward to the event. Appreciate you taking the time for us this morning.
4: Thank you so much, and hope to see you there.
1: Absolutely. Taylor Cummings, one of the great players in the history of women's lacrosse and uh, getting ready for the World Championships this summer. Appreciate her taking a couple of minutes for us this morning here on GCR. All right, when we come back in, we're going to get a tidbit. We're going to get tubular. We will wind down before we turn things over to Weekend at Bookies. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike shashevsky that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org.
0: Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline.
1: Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday, with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to find out more great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience, technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, getting ready for Weekend at Bookies here in a few minutes on GCR. Uh, what's remind remind me what's DL Hall? You're you're very hot and bothered by what DL Hall's doing today at Bowie. He's throwing. Pa- Paul's getting all steamy. Like he's, he's having hot flashes.
0: Thrown two innings, no hits, no walks, no runs, four strikeouts. His fastball sitting 98 to 99. He's touched 100 once. 21 pitches, 19 strikes. Again, they were talking about his command issues and whether he could consistently throw strikes yeah. and. He hasn't walked anybody yet. That's great. Ever like this year? Well, I mean, it's not. This there's year. not a
1: huge sample size for this year it's either. Two let's be fair. Let's and it's not two, two balls in two innings. But I, I'm, Paul, I like that. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. I like that. Oh, I'm not getting
0: defensive. <laughs> I'm just. Exclaiming. I like
1: that. Um, and may that may that continue forever. May he never throw ball. May the he rest become Kevin life. Gossman. hundred. Well, oh my God, 2022 Kevin Gausman, yes. or even 2021 Kevin Gausman, I take. Um. No doubt, no doubt. All of that sounds delicious, but small sample size, long way to go. Six innings. Let's not get. <laughs> let's let ease up. Let's. E- well, not six innings at Bowie. He did it. No, s-
0: six innings of. I'm saying. I, I'm agreeing with you. is a small yes, sample size. He's yes, thrown six and, innings
1: and two innings at Double A. Yes. Like, like you just gotta ease up a little bit. Long way to go. I'm hot and bothered, man. You are, you are, you are. My heart rates up. I'm I'm getting hot, but it's also hot in the studio. Yeah, it is baking hot in the studio. I put in a request for a new fan that will probably arrive just in time for you to go to Super Mega Corp. Will probably be arriving right on the same day. I'm losing weight by the hour, Uh, dude. It is like I I don't even. I, I I said the other day. I'm like I nearly and I got a condition, so that's part of the problem. But, like, there was a moment the other day when we had three of us in here where I felt like I was going to pass out. There will be a moment tomorrow where there are five of us here because my buddy Spiro Marika is is coming in studio tomorrow. Mm. Um, this ain't going to work. He's
0: sitting on the window ledge. Who's going to sit what there? Might,
1: what we might do is sort of like a Today Show thing where we have someone stand outside and kind of wave cast, in and, like, with a poster and, like, we were rooting for you. Yay, Justin <laughs> Timberlake, something like the TRL. Thing. Might Spiro, be sign my shirt. Something like that. We might we might look into that. Probably have Jordan do that, not Cass. Is the case. Probably the way we're gonna go about it. All right. Uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Glory Days Grill, where the spring seasonal menu is it's real and it's magnificent. It's got the opener, the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. It's got the baseball cut sirloin. It's got the strawberry salmon salad. It's even got the Cracker Jack sundae with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. It's all available right now. Get your order in by going to glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days grill. Great food, good sports.
0: All right, so the other night, Dusty Baker won his 2,000th career game to go along with 1,745 losses and one tie, a 534 winning percentage. He is now one of 12 managers with 2,000 wins and the first black manager to accomplish the feat. And while the other 11 managers to win at least that many games are all in the Hall of Fame... They have also all won at least one World Series, something Dusty Baker cannot say, despite eight first place finishes, eleven ninety win seasons, yep. and eleven postseason appearances. Of course, in Baltimore, we all know Earl Weaver and his Hall of Fame resume: fourteen hundred eight wins, five seventy winning percentage, four World Series appearances, uh, one World Series title, and not to mention five hundred win, five one hundred win seasons. Weaver is one of only six managers in Orioles history to manage at least one full season. And finish his tenure with the club with more wins than losses. Wait, say that one more time. He is the one of only six managers in Orioles history mm-hmm. to manage at least one full season with the club and finish his tenure in Baltimore with more wins than losses. Oh, who are the other five?
1: Uh, Buck.
0: No, Buck was 15 games below 500. the guy, oh man. Yeah, that final season yeah, that really stuck yeah, in my craw. really.
1: That you know what?
0: 669 and yeah. 684 second most yeah. wins. Then.
1: No, 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 I get it. Uh Joe Altabelli.
0: Joe Altabelli was 212 and 167.
1: Frank Robinson.
0: No. That actually Frank Robinson was a manager well, at the in 87. 87 yeah, and in really screwed
1: him. He, he started yeah. 7 right. and, yeah, and that's got a fired. Good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing the math wrong. I did the math wrong on that. So, um Oh god. Okay, so then then oh geez, a lot of the guys that I'm thinking of probably don't fit the bill. All right.
0: Um well David Johnson. David Johnson, 186 and 138.
1: <sighs> and then was shown the door. Totally over it, though. Not bitter whatsoever. Don't get right. me wrong. Um So, well, how about Hank Bauer? Hank Bauer, four hundred yeah. and seven and three hundred and
0: eighty-eight. I mean, three hundred and eighteen. Excuse me. Third most wins in franchise history. You have two left. One, I think you could get. The other one, I don't expect, unless because I didn't know who this guy was. Oh,
1: good. Did he ever manage the Orioles or did he manage the St. Louis Browns? He
0: managed the Orioles.
1: I believe. Yeah, you better check on that. If he didn't, I'm gonna yeah, have to. We check. just I'm we just did a we them just them did a whole them. thing about this yesterday. It's the other one I could get, it's probably not Cal Senior. Cal Senior, no. Yeah, I did not think so. Um, Paul Richards is the only one I can remember from before '66.
0: No, and Billy Hitchcock did manage the. Um, he managed the St. Louis Browns. I apologize.
1: Ah, you son of a bitch! We just talked about this.
0: Oh no, 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 no! Right. He played for the St. Louis Browns. He managed the Orioles in '62 and '63. I
1: have no idea who that is. So you're telling that Billy, Hitchco- I, I Billy only, Hitchcock? I only the only pre '66 manager I remember I, I know of was Paul Richards. So That's I would have Bill, never gotten Billy, Billy Hitchcock. Hitchcock. So there's one other one. mm Hmm. Johnny Oates. Johnny Oates. See, I like. I get it. The, the, the funny thing about those Johnny Oates teams is, like, because they didn't make the playoffs, you just don't associate them with success. But, but they were for- good teams.
0: They were. F- they were fine teams. That '94 team was. Was off to a make, was, they were good.
1: Ah, they were off to a good start. There's no doubt. And you just forget that in that era of baseball, only one team from each division. Yeah. Exactly right. Made the playoffs, and there were only two divisions, so only the playoffs were just the LCS and the World Series. Mm. So,
0: 94, they went to three divisions and they added the wild card and then they had a strike. Right, but we didn't. So we, he yeah, may have made the playoffs.
1: Might again. have. Might very well have.
0: Made the playoffs a lot with the Rangers.
1: Uh, Yeah, he did. 100%. It was regularly in the playoffs. All right, very good. Uh, Tubular brought to you today by the Baltimore Police. Ooh, join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up. Totally tubular wise Orioles and Twins wrap up the four-game set. As I mentioned, Chris Archer, who you might, like me, may have forgotten was a twin now, takes on Spencer Watkins on Masson tonight. MLB Network, Angels, Red Sox at one thirty. Mets, Phillies at 6.30. Cardinals, Giants at 9.30. YouTube, Nationals, Rockies at 3.10. Big Ten Network for the Big Ten Tournament tonight. Johns Hopkins and Maryland, round two. Hopkins just trying to avoid losing by 15 goals. Uh, that's at 5.30, followed by Rutgers, Ohio State. UMBC this afternoon against Binghamton in the America East Tournament on AmericaEast.tv. Towson tonight against UMass at 7 in the CAA Tournament on lack Sportsnet. Go GoMustangSports.tv for Eastern and Stevenson at 7 in the Mac Commonwealth Tournament. TBS tonight for Capitals-Panthers, Game 2 at 7.30. It's also on NBC Sports Washington. Stars-Flames, Game 2 at 10. TNT-Penguins-Rangers, Game 2. It was a thriller in the first one. That's 7 tonight. Predators-Avalanche, Game 2 at 9.30. Golf Channel uh, from down just outside D.C., Round one of the PGA Wells Fargo Championship at 2 o'clock. WWE Network for NXT UK at 3. Axis TV for Impact Wrestling at 8. Non-sports-wise, anything we should know about?
0: Uh, there's nothing. I'm, I almost sneezed. Uh, Chris Pratt is going to be on Jimmy Fallon tonight at 11.35. Uh, you have some new Netflix series, Blood Sisters, Clark, the Pentaverate, and uh, Wild Babies, a Netflix documentary on Netflix. It's, so uh, so not, nothing. So, yeah, no, nothing. There, there's nothing of no. note.
1: All right, go to glenclarkradio.com, and you can see it there. Uh, no show for Stan the Fan tonight. He'll be back on Monday with Rick Dempsey. If you missed their powwow with Lou Jackson talking all about Adley Rutschman and the cover story. That's available right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Thanks today to Taylor Cummings. Thanks also to Randy Edsel. We'll get that up in the Greatest Hits section of the archives. Tab at glenclarkradio.com. As I mentioned tomorrow, my buddy Spiro Maricus play-by-play voice at Towson, he's going to be back in studio we will discuss the announcement of this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class, but we had decided to do this because we wanted to do a special thing for the Paul McCartney show where we um, brought out our, our top ten uh, Beatles songs that we, that we love the most – Maybe we'll save that for another appearance and we'll just do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing tomorrow. I'll talk to Spiro about that because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announcement was made yesterday. Um, so, So that's tomorrow. He's joining us in studio. I know Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina coach, is scheduled to join us. We'll find out more about Isaiah Likely and are we doing buoy or is that happening
0: uh he so he texted me last night and said he's gonna know by today
1: all right so maybe we're going to buoy i don't know i don't know maybe we'll do that we had they had unfortunately they had these day games these last two days that made it really tricky for us all right thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners including glory days grill royal farms the baltimore police Great Eights memorabilia the fanduel sportsbook at live casino and hotel the baltimore orioles your local toyota dealer buy Thanks to Paul. At Paul Valley III is how you follow him. At Rexpex Ryan is how you follow Ryan. Thanks to him. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. Go Birds, go Maryland or Hopkins if you're a Hopkins fan. Towson and UMBC. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. If you're with us on video, give us a minute. We'll be back. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. Weekend at Bookies is up next. Welcome in to Weekend at Bookies, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Later on in the program, our buddy Brad Cronthal from Alloy Sports will check in. We'll talk about uh, basketball this week, the baseball slate as well. Uh, we will get to that in just a bit. In just a second, our buddy Andrew Steka is going to join us. Last appearance before he's got to come back home to pay off his penance next week on Glenn Clark Radio. Stecker will give us his stets and figures. Again, big fight weekend in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. You're going to want to be there Saturday night for UFC 274. Gaethje, Oliveira, big fight. The place to watch it is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Rose Namahunas also fighting on Saturday. You can reserve your spot right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. Canelo Alvarez also fighting Dimitri Bivel on Saturday. The place for all of the big fights is the FanDuel Sportsbook, and there are so many props available. Coming today on uh, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland's um, social pages, I'll have some uh, advice for you on betting the fights this weekend on their 61 self-service kiosks there in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Joining us now for his stats and figures, he's our buddy Andrew Stecca. What's going on, pal? How you doing? Good morning, Glenn. How are you? Have you already obtained the tarantula? Is
3: that is that something I need to do?
1: What no, are you talking? Are you kidding? You think I'm getting you a tra- tarantula?
3: Well, you you provided the the tuna
1: and sardines. Well, that was because it was a very unique circumstance. You want me to purchase you the? T- Wait a second. You provided the costume. Did you really think I'm supposed to purchase the tarantula? I mean, I didn't. I didn't really think about it to be honest with you. I figured that you had, had planned that. But... No, no, I didn't plan that. That's on you. You're the one. You're the one. Pay- are you providing the wax? How are we doing the back waxing? I, you tell me. Now wait is now back wait back a waxing. second. Wait a second.
3: <laughs> I've never waxed my back before. Believe it or not, <laughs> oh, I've never
1: done this either. Oh, you I don't believe that. Yeah, Come on. I, I, actually I it's a very weird thing about me. Almost nobody hair, man. It's a really weird bit. I don't know how to explain well, it.
3: it. Well well it's a good thing you didn't lose lose. at least yeah. you have something. Yeah, to... it would
1: not have been a great payoff. It would have been a really <laughs> bad payoff if the I had The back lost.
3: waxing would be a payoff for
1: me. The, so. Mrs. Stecka was the one who wanted to do the back waxing.
3: Yeah, there's still a slim chance that that happens, but air, air, airplane travel is a, a thing that, that, you know, she's going to try to get out for that, but I'm not 100% sure. Maybe these are that things that, that
1: maybe we out. should have mentioned at some point, considering we're a week out of this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I will be there. I'll be I'll be there. Yeah, but the, you just being there is not the part that, like, I love you, not, not upset love. that you're yeah, coming. God, say, God bless you. Glad you're going to be here, but that's not really my concern, is whether or not you're going to be here. It's that you're supposed to be paying your penance. Well,
3: are you going to wax my back?
1: I, I, if Mrs. Deca can't, I'd be willing to, yes. <laughs> okay. But we've got to get the materials for that. And All the, right, I, we'll,
3: we'll, we'll look into that. Ah, you should God's have sake.
1: Proctor
0: come in and make him do it. Oh, I would
1: love to have Proctor wax Andrew. Oh, my God. Proct- I'm afraid that
3: Proctor would enjoy that
1: a little too much. What, what do you mean, sexually? Is that what you're trying no, to I say? Mean,
3: no, I don't mean
1: sexual. It's, it's what it sounded Although like.
3: Although I don't really
1: know Proctor. That yeah, right. That's what it looked, sounded I like admit. you were saying. Well, I, if Proctor wants to, but Proctor also has a super mega corp job, so I'm not sure if he's available or not. Um, but I, I would, I'd be all in on uh, having John Proctor be the one to wax your back. All right, we, we got it. We got a week. We got eight days to solve these problems and i don't right, know we'll look into it. i don't know where we are with the whole um you know the, the, are we still dealing with shipping delays i mean are we, we going to be able to get these things in time i'll look up i i might i might be willing to split this with i don't know why i would be paying for it but i might be willing oh i mean the,
3: co- the cost is no issue I, I i'll i'll pay for it i just i didn't think i i
1: mean i got i'm trying I to kind of assume I'm
3: trying. I, I almost assumed you had one on hand. It, are you? This? What you
1: mind? just keeping an edible tarantula around here? Hang on a second. I don't even remember where I found it when I was looking it up. I know you're into time. some weird stuff, man. I found a an edible black scorpion that I could get here by Saturday. You want you want to try that? Maybe while you're at it, you gonna do a tarantula? Yeah, do try a scorpion? <laughs> Jesus.
3: Honestly, the backwaxing is what I'm more fearful of than the than the eating the All
1: right, above. All right. All right. Let's let's make a plan in the next 24 hours. All right. We'll figure that out. All right.
0: I imagine a scorpion probably tastes like a uh, insect lobster.
1: I have had I have consumed what did I eat? I ate crickets I think was what I eat. like an entire bowl of crickets. It sucked.
0: The Seattle Mariners sucked. sell chocolate
1: covered crickets. They don't never never no, they're, think to they're, yourself. They're
3: like chili lime crickets aren't That's they? that's what
1: I had. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know if the, I don't know what the Mariners did, but I had the ch- and like you're like, "Oh, maybe the flavor will make nope." You taste every part of that damn bug as it's going. It is it. Hey, they sell It sucks. It sucks, man. No fun whatsoever. Stetson Figures with Andrew Stecke. Uh, he had a good week last time he was with us. He went three for four. And I'm happy that he lost the one that he lost because it was uh, the Pelicans. Um uh, Well, and if
3: you think about it, what we talked about it during that that Pelicans game was bet them both three and game three and four. Right, and you would have
1: won game four. four, I agree, but only
3: like three and a half out of.
1: But yes, no, you don't. No, 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 (laughs) no, no, no. No, you went three for four, which by the way is quite good. Like if I was, we had a a good week. If I was three for four every time I bet, I might have, I might have quit this job by now. Frankly, (laughs) I am not batting that percentage. Um, all right, so a lot going on. Where are we starting? What is your first debt and figure for this week?
3: Well, I'm going to go back to the well with something that we won on two weeks ago, and that's the Orioles and the over. Um, this is still a trend, and it's still something that, you know, the Orioles are only still hitting on about 30% of overs. Now, that's a number that's obviously trended up since when we talked two weeks ago, but the over-under right now on the Orioles-Twins game uh, later today is only eight. It was seven last time, and it's been hitting on the on the regular. So, I'm going to stick with that. Overs are 8-5 and since we spoke two weeks ago. I think that that is a a trend that continues upward. And here's the thing. When I'm looking at the Orioles specifically, you know, they have been pitching pretty well. The bats are, you know, starting to come alive a little bit here and there. But regardless of of who's starting the game, once you get into that bullpen, it's kind of – the ropes are kind of off. Mm -hmm. You're always liable to give up three or four, maybe five runs out of that bullpen. Um, and we even saw that a little bit in the game last night so I don't I don't even care that Spencer Watkins and Chris Archer have both posted decent numbers to start this season. Um, I'm just I'm riding this wave of overs and I'm gonna continue to do it until it kind of starts to level off a little.
1: Bit. What's the number? what is it?
3: Uh, it's eight right now.
1: eight. Yeah, I get it. I, I mean I, I get it it's still like I'm still sitting here thinking to myself that we could be in for a miserable 2-0. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just... I, I hear you, though. I hear the theory, and I, I don't know if I would bet it, but I I feel like right now I just don't like betting overs and unders in baseball games. I just... I, I think... I don't, whatever it is. But I like it. I like yeah, what and, your theory until
3: is. I, until I start to see those numbers more consistently at 9, nine and a half ten. I get I'm it. I'm going to continue to, to, to ride that wave and, and let, them, let them go over. Um, secondly, we're going to go to basketball... There are three out of the four series going on right now that I feel like I have a really good handle on. The one that I don't is the Boston-Milwaukee series. That is a complete stay away from me. I feel like Boston is the slightly better team, but Milwaukee has a player named Giannis Antetokounmpo who yes. so I'm I'm so scared of. So yep. I don't know which way that series is going to go. The other three series I feel like are not done-done, but I really feel like I have a handle on them as to how they're going to go. Now, I'm there's a there's a large big that you can do with a parlay of just saying Warriors, Suns, Heat, all to win their series. And you can pay my, minus 178 to do that. But I'm going to focus in specifically on the, the Suns and the Heat. Um, I, I think both of those teams, I'm not saying they're sweeps, but I definitely think that they can both win game three, especially on the short rest. This NBA schedule is so bizarre. It's weird as I hell. I don't understand it at all. Um, I have no idea why the Suns and Heat are going on the road and playing tomorrow night after just having played last night while the other two series played on, what was it, Tuesday? And yep. don't play again until Saturday. It's it makes zero bonkers. sense to me. But Suns are plus one tomorrow night. Heat are minus one. Give me them both on the money line. And parlay them together, too, in, to, at plus 270. I mean, get, let me ride these two teams that are... The, the Suns have no match, or excuse me, the Mavericks have no match for, for the Suns' depth. Um, and part of the reason for both of these things is the usage rate. Um, Luka Doncic has one of the highest usage rates in the NBA this season. He is everything for them. Um, if they're not going, and this is, this kind of goes back to you know why we thought that that they were they would uh, why they why we thought they would get past Utah in the previous series is because they were going to be able to, to to get the outside shooting help because Utah couldn't cover the perimeter. Well, the Suns are better at that. The Suns are simply better at stopping all of these other players, and Luka can can, can get his thirty. But he's going to need more support, and I don't think he's going to have it against the Suns. And as for the Heat, I mean, until I see that Joel Embiid can be back, not only back, but back to his old self, um, I'm just not going to believe that the Sixers can can get past the Heat in that series either.
1: Um, Look, man, I would almost—and not even kidding— I know what you're saying about Milwaukee and Boston, but I just feel so strongly about Giannis that I would almost just parlay all four, like, and just and.
3: Well, and, I, I don't, I don't hate it, but I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of overlooking Boston. I know, I, mean, Boston, I know, and I'm very
1: guilty of it. I'm extraordinarily I, guilty of it.
3: And I have been throughout the season, and it's it's bitten me in the rear end. So I don't want to continue to do that. I think Boston is still an extremely viable team. I mean, I think I think they are one of the few teams left that can actually win it all. Um, I, I really do believe that they can. And for that reason, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about Giannis, and that's, you know, I don't know that Giannis has the support around him. We saw in game two of that series that it seemed like the Bucks were really missing Middleton. Um, no doubt. I don't know for sure that that is going to continue to play out. I, I feel like that's a series that, that could definitely go seven.
1: Uh, it can, for sure it can, 100%. But at the end of the day, I'm still even if it goes seven, I'm still gonna like the team that has young. Yeah, it's that's, that's the way that's it's gonna the go. the that can go seven, right. whereas if
3: any of the
1: other three go seven, I'm yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. The only issue I have about your bet is, and and I know the part of it is I'm not being a Suns fan. I'm I'm gonna have an amount of fear. I still look at a Mavericks team that's desperate and is capable of making an insane amount of threes and just having a night at home where they're making all of their shots and it it worries me a little bit with a bet like that that's it that's the only thing that that that's they're
3: capable but they're more capable against a team like they had in the last round that cannot cover the
1: pool. I agree the Suns can do that
3: yeah but still, we cover. have
1: still seen stretches where they've been able to knock like last night there were multiple stretches where they knocked down three or four threes in the span of about two minutes um I, I yes I think your theory is 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 right and I I think the suns deserve to be favored in the game. I think the suns will win the game, but making that unique of a bet, a specific parlay bet that requires it i, I it's 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 too rich for my blood. but you know what? I'm wrong a lot, so we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. Stetson and figures we'll see Andrew Stecker. by the way, John Proctor, you can thank him. Uh, he tracked down a link to somewhere where if you order your tarantula right now, you can make sure you have it in time for next Friday. so I just right, I perfect. just messaged we'll it to you on Twitter. If you want to send it here, that's fine. Uh, we can hold on to it for you. All, All right. right. Sounds good. Next, next stats and figure.
3: Uh, we're gonna go to golf and look ahead a little bit to the PGA Championship, which is in two weeks. So by the next time we are we are talking, and I'm giving you more stats and figures. It is it? Uh, the PGA Championship will be underway at Southern Hills.
1: Yeah, I totally knew that.
3: Yeah, of course you did. They, they, they come around quick these majors since the schedule change. PGA yeah. Championship got moved to May, so. Um, I'm going to give out two players that I want you to both sprinkle a little bit to win on both, but mainly play top tens when those numbers come out. Um, the first one of those players is Cam Smith. You, you guys remember him from the Masters. He he performed pretty well until he fell off.
1: Yeah, did not uh, have the the a good Sunday. Round.
3: But he is, uh, he's still on the season number one in strokes gained on the entire PGA Tour. Uh, he obviously won the Players' Championship, uh, and then obviously the, the tied for third at the Masters. He is a, a strong play, and you're getting him at 20-1. to 1. To win. So I feel like that's a really strong number and then when those top 10 numbers come out, bet him there as well. The other player is Sam Burns. Uh Sam Burns is is 41 to 1. Um and this is a guy who's top 10 in strokes game and he's even better than Cameron Smith is uh from to Green statistically this season on the PGA Tour. He also won the Valspar Championship a few weeks back uh in Florida. Oh, so yeah, already yeah. got a win under his belt, has that experience of getting a win. So sprinkle a little bit on him at 41 to 1. And then definitely play him as a top ten as well in the PGA Championship yeah, coming up to, uh, in a Sam, couple
1: weeks. Or so, Sam yeah. Burns, that's my guy. I totally had heard of him before this. Definitely somebody I knew all about. Love it. Love that. That's man. why I'm here. Got I got nothing. No thoughts whatsoever. And number four.
3: Finally, we're gonna go back to a soccer parlay. We've been really successful. Yes, you had good weeks. luck. Yes. Uh, obviously, Liverpool played earlier this week in the Champions League, advanced to the Champions League final. They get back into Premier League action. Against the team I support, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, I've got a parlay of of Liverpool to either win or draw and both teams to score. That's minus 114. Uh, Liverpool have not lost to Tottenham since uh, 2017, and Tottenham have not won at Anfield in 11 years. So I I don't think Tottenham's winning this match. That's why I've got the Liverpool win or draw in there. However, only four of the last 16 games that these teams have played have not seen both teams score. So we've got a really good chance for both these teams to score. Um, Tottenham have had success against both Manchester City and Liverpool this year. They they drew 2-2 Tottenham and Liverpool earlier this season, and uh, Tottenham actually beat Manchester City both times they played them. So they've had success against these better teams. Part of the reason for that is uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, teams like that will come after you. They'll, they'll attack, attack, attack. And Tottenham are really good on the counterattack. They can sit back, absorb pressure, and then hit on the counter. So... I really give uh, Tottenham a really good chance to at least score in the game. I don't, however, think they're going to win the game. I think Liverpool will at least get a draw, probably going to win the game. So you parlay those two things together, it's minus 114. That's my soccer
1: parlay. All right, so Liverpool to win or draw, and both teams score. Yeah. Parlay that, and you got minus what minus one minus 114. Min- minus 114. All right, there you go. Those are the stats and figures for this week. We will get them posted at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter as well. At a stack is how you follow Andrew. Um, I, I, yeah, and by the way, Brian Powell, I did see what Andrew said. I'll have a JJ Reddick conversation when I get an opportunity to. I, I, I'm going to run out of time. You're, n- I, 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 don't <laughs> care. You're not going to get me to stop hating JJ Reddick. You just, you oh, just. Oh, is, is it's Brian? Not... Is
3: Brian calling me out for my JJ
1: Reddick? No, no, no. I mean, I've seen. You're not alone. It's like everybody. I and I get it. Oh, okay. I understand. I didn't
3: know. Yeah, I, so to be to be perfectly frank, I didn't know that that, that was a oh, uh, it's a
1: It's overwhelming. It's been I did not overwhelming. know
3: overwhelming. I have not follow the discourse. I just and that's and I that's fine. I get interviews recently. I, I did a podcast earlier this week that I yep, listened to, I, and I really enjoyed the
1: conversation. I I get I get liking some things that he had to say. You ain't gonna get me to stop hating J.J. J dog. Like it's just not. <laughs> Fair it ain't gonna happen. All right, uh, Andrew, appreciate you, my friend. We will see you uh, next Friday as uh, you will be here uh, getting your back waxed and singing for us and eating the tarantula. Appreciate you joining us here on Weekend at Bookies. All right, cheers, Glenn. Stetson Figures and Weekend at Bookies with our friend Andrew Stetka. All right, when we come back in, we're going to chat with our buddy Brad Cronthal from Alloy Sports. They do They really crunch the numbers. We'll talk about... Um, the baseball slate today, we'll talk about where the, the playoffs stand, that conversation next. Weekend at Bookies brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.com. 4100 North Point Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to glenn clark radio all right back in here actually on a weekend at bookies brought to you by the fanduel sportsbook at live casino and hotel Just a a quick look. As I mentioned, it's fight night on Saturday night. Quick rundown of the odds. Uh, Rose Namahunas, a minus 220 favorite against Carla Esparza, who's plus 176. Oliveira, minus 188 against Gaethje, who's plus 152. Other fights on the main card, Cowboy Cerrone, minus 178. Uh, Joe Lozon, plus 144. Mauricio Shogun Ahua is a plus-205 dog against Ovin St. Preux, minus-260. And Michael Chandler, a heavy favorite, minus-385 against Tony Ferguson, who is at plus-290. Those are the five bouts on the main card for UFC 274 on Saturday night. And, of course, Canelo Alvarez against Dimitri Bivel. Canelo Alvarez, a minus-490 favorite. Bivel plus three sixty. There are still ways for you to make money betting on those fights. Uh, we'll talk about that on social today. The live casino and hotel Maryland social pages have some advice for you. All right, so let's be uh, let's chat now with a buddy of ours, the man behind Alloy Sports, uh, who's trying to give you the chance to come up with the best formula solution for your betting strategies. He is our buddy, Brad Cronthal, and he's back with us now here on Weekend at Bookies. Brad, what's going on, pal? How are you? Doing well, Glenn. Everything's good over here. How are you? I'm all right, man. I am uh, I am be- befuddled. Like, basketball this week, and we were just having this conversation with Andrew Stecca. I and he said to me, I feel pretty good about three of these four series, and I agree. Then he said, and so I want to parlay in game three tomorrow night, both the Heat and the Suns winning outright. And I think you know, Brad, I'm a big Suns fan. And the moment you say something like that, I start to get nervous. I'm like, no, 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 no. Can't do that. Can't do that. And I know that those teams are favored, and they should be favored. I just, it's the emotion of being a fan that's very difficult for me, where I start to feel pressure if I make a bet on my own team to win. And I, and I struggle with that significantly. Oh, no, totally gotcha.
5: And, and I think one thing that's cool with the betting, Sometimes it's just easier to bet the series bet if you really like a team. If you're just too nervous to go in early games or later games, you bet the wrong game. Sometimes it just depends on the bet you make. But, like, yep. you know, if you have a gut feeling, just make it if you like it and the stats can back it up, and we can help you do that, Glenn.
1: I know that you guys um, have been promoting the aim-low strategy this week. Tell me about the aim-low strategy, Brad.
5: Yeah, so this week, like, like every other, we promote a forecast, what we're calling every week, uh, that's pushing out a good strategy on our content. Uh, really a successful strategy that you can go on our website and check out. You subscribe to us for free and uh, and plug it in yourself. So the aim low strategy looks at three stats. It's fouls drawn per game, two pointers made, and true shooting percentage. And, and we're looking at actually teams with a lower value. So we've seen a lot of value, uh, basically saying the odds makers are overvaluing teams uh, that are good at those stats. So we're looking at the teams with lower value coming into there. And we had a sixty-two percent, sixty-three percent win percentage, really for heavy favorites in that category. So, so no upcoming games this weekend actually fit this strategy, but it is one to look out for, you know, as games sift through it. But we we do have some profitable games to push um, for this weekend.
1: What is it that jumps out at you about? Obviously, is this weird schedule of the NBA where they're not playing tonight, and the teams that played last night are going to play again tomorrow, and the teams that played on Tuesday night won't play again until. So- I I have no idea. What the hell is going on with all that? But what jumps out at you as you look at the weekend ahead?
5: Yeah, so we're actually going back to two forecasts uh, from the past couple of weeks and and as we save them games populate when, when they fit the criteria. So so for tomorrow, Glenn, I think you'll like this. We like the Suns. We're we're taking them on the money line -110 uh, with the Fanduel, the last Fanduel odds that I saw. Um and that strategy factors in fast breaks two pointers made and points off turnovers also looking at teams coming off a win so that strategy had an over 60 percent win rate on there so we like the suns on that one and then on saturday uh looking at another strategy more of a defensive type strategy so looking at steals um less opponent possessions and then factoring in you know a solid bench point uh, and it likes the grizzlies uh to cover the spread in that one at plus 6.5 and you know, this one factors in the bench. They didn't really need a whole lot of bench. in the Grizzlies' last game, all yeah. they had to do was give the ball to ja, ja, Yeah. But um, if they get extra production, that's just a, a bonus.
1: I, I like betting the Grizzlies to cover that. I do. I, I, like, I like that a lot, in fact. And so I might be joining you. So remind people, when you say strategy, right, because... It's, it's what I told you. What's amazing about Alloy Sports is how much information is there. The problem is that it's so much information for dumb guys. So remind everybody what it is that you guys do and, and how specifically betters can use it to try to find a strategy that works for them.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So building a strategy is really building your own formula that you can use to, using data So we let you build stat-based strategies. You put in stats that you think are important. Is it three-point percentage? Is it rebounding? Is it assist-to-turnover ratio? It's whatever you think is most important, and we backtest that with up to nine years of data. We tell you if it's one on the spread or the money line, and we break it down into four buckets, really. So heavy favorites, slight favorites, slight underdogs, heavy underdogs, and then we have a custom range. But really, we let you... Have all the stats at your disposal. We'll lead you in the right direction with our content section, but at the end of the day, it's about you're betting your money, so you, so you want to have a say in what you're doing, and, and we let you do that.
1: And you can, it's Alloy Sports. AlloySports.com is the website in order for you to learn more. Brad Cronthall is with us here on Weekend at Bookies. All right, Brad, let's um, let's let's jump in to the baseball slates that's uh, that's on today. What do you have your eye on as you look at today's baseball action?
5: Yeah, there's a, there's a couple games here that are really intriguing. Let's start with uh, Miami and San Diego. Uh, Lizardo versus Nick Martinez. Nick Martinez kind of gets lost in the fold there in San Diego with all these big-name, ace-type profile pitchers. And, and he's done an admir- admirable job this year. And just looking at the trends, the overs hit in Marlins games in their last they're 5-1 in the last six games. For the Padres, the over is 8-1 and in the last nine games. It's in San Diego. The weather is obviously beautiful tonight, like it always is there. So I'm liking the over in this one. Um, I'm not sure if Jazz Chisholm <laughs> made a decree that he wants to hit a home run off uh, Nick Martinez, but uh, I do see some uh, high scoring in this game. Hosmer Machado, 1-2, yep. leading the league in batting average. So. Let's see
1: some fireworks here. I, I, don't, I don't have any issue with that whatsoever. I think I'm on board with it. And for those, you know, what a, what a season Manny Machado has had. Holy crap, it's been uh, remarkable. It's almost like he was worth paying a lot of money to him to play baseball. Sure. Weird, weird, uh, weird bit. Weird bit. Almost like he was worth a lot of money. Anything else that's jumping off the page at you today?
5: Yeah, there's Tampa Bay and Seattle. So Shane McClanahan, he's second in the MLB in strikeouts. Uh, he leads the league in Ks per nine. The Mariners are averaging eight strikeouts per game. So, you know, they're in Seattle. I expect him to pitch well. I like his over in the strikeout total at six and a half uh, on Fandle. So that's an intriguing game for sure. Uh, like McClanahan. I mean, he's just one of those guys, too. Tampa Bay Rays, read them, come up, and turn out to be a heck of a pitcher. So I like his strikeout totals in that one. Also, another strikeout total I like, Cincinnati-Milwaukee. Uh, Hunter Green, starter for Cincinnati. Boy, are they they are terrible. But Hunter Green is not. Uh, his, his line today is five and a half. I like the over in that as well. Milwaukee is striking out. They're in the ninth in MLB in most strikeouts. They scored 18 last night. I don't think they're going to hit that number again. I think they'll have a little bit of a slump day today. Green has hit at least six strikeouts and three out of his four starts this year. So, I would like for him to to go in the
1: over in that game. By the way, I need you at some point, Brad, because it does not I – was, I was looking this up with the Seattle game and the strike. I have this, like, feeling – so that's actually the first game of, of a four-game set. It's not the final game of a series this week, so it doesn't fit my theory. I have this theory that on getaway days – batters are more apt to just want to swing and get games over with, right, and get out of town and get on to whatever it is that you're that you're doing next. But I have no idea if it's actually factually proven or not or just a theory that I have from watching baseball a lot over the years. So at some point, I need us to build some sort of strategy in Alloy Sports that can define whether or not I'm accurate about this. Because I've had this feeling over the years that you're inclined to get more strikeouts in the final game of a series before a team especially before a team is leaving on the road but in general especially if it's an afternoon game just when you're trying to get a series over with and you're playing at an odd time for some reason it feels like guys are up there they they are there's more purposeful swinging going on in those circumstances
5: yeah i think that's a great theory and that's one thing that we allow for for people to use on our platform as we build it out and, and into baseball and- that you can see right away. Like you plug that in in one of our filters and just say, hey, if it's worked, it's worked, and you did it in your strategy. And if not, well, it didn't. But it's still a hunch and it still, you know, may work from time to time. But I like the theory, Glenn.
1: Um, again, I, d- I don't know. I don't know if it's proven or not. I'm just throwing it out there. Of course, you remember uh, John Means' no hitter last year just happened to come on an afternoon game on a getaway day. It just sort of feels like there is some sort of vibe about we're good, we're out of town, let's get on with it, let's start swinging. That's all I have. Anything else that jumps out at you about the either baseball or basketball for the next couple of days?
5: So I was looking at Blue Jays-Guardians, uh, the lines at 7.5 are the total. I, I, I was looking at the over, I'm looking at the forecast today, the weather forecast. Not great for this evening in Cleveland, so I'm just gonna stay away and, and you know whenever you do that, it's probably gonna be good Oh get, yeah, that means so. <laughs> there's definitely gonna be fifty
1: there's gonna be fifty runs scored. There's no question about it. The moment you talk yourself out of something, you end up finding yourself, What the hell was I? I I my gut was right, why didn't I just go with it? There's no doubt. Whereas if you if you play it, you're definitely gonna end up being wrong. Like there's just no doubt. There is no doubt that's the 100%, case. That's
5: what I was gonna say. If I bet it, it's gonna be a one oh shutout and if you don't bet it, there's gonna be no, seventeen runs. No scores.
1: question. No question.
5: So, that, that's the place for today.
1: All right, Brad. We're, uh, again, AlloySports.com is the website, correct?
5: Yep, AlloySports.com. You can find us on social at AlloySports.
1: Give them a follow and be more informed as you make your bets. Find the strategy that works for you. Brad Cronthall, appreciate your friend. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks, all right?
5: Looking forward to it, Glenn. Thanks.
1: Thanks, buddy. Brad Cronthall checking in with us here on Weekend at Bookies, brought to you by... The FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. I'd have to do some more work on who is playing in a getaway game today and who is not. um, Because I would love to put this theory to the test. I would love to put this theory of mine to the test. I'm telling you, there's something about getaway days that just feels. So the afternoon games today. So these would definitely be getaway days. Angels-Red Sox is an afternoon game today. So I don't know. what The Angels are probably... Staying, I don't think they're going back to the West Coast, but they're they're definitely going somewhere else. They're going. Nope, I was wrong. They are going back to the West Coast. So this is the extreme of a getaway day. This is not only you're playing a game and then you gotta fly across the country, you gotta play tomorrow. So let me look at the number for today. Angels Red Sox. Angels Red Sox. More wagers. So I need. I need strikeouts. That's what I need. Man, player strikeouts. Here we go. Uh, They only have Shohei Otani. Have the Red Sox not announced a starter for today? Red Sox, probable pitchers. Damn. Damn, 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 damn. That was Uh, The Red Sox. Oh, I'm
0: looking at the wrong date.
1: No, but they have. It's Rich Hill. They've announced Rich Hill as their starting pitcher for today, and that's for some reason not available. Maybe because they know maybe because the FanDuel folks know the exact same thing I know. That a team that's about to travel to the other coast is more apt to swing and miss, and so you have to artificially inflate the number, and they don't want to do that. Only Shohei Otani strikeouts are available. The number is five and a half. I assume the Red Sox are staying home. Wherever they're going next, Red Sox schedule takes them yeah they're still at home against the white Sox this weekend so my theory wouldn't work the same way for them because even though they're playing at a weird time and afternoon games are weird they're they're not going anywhere they're spending the night in boston this evening they're playing the white Sox, so my theory wouldn't work for that but we need to find we need to somehow identify a game to see if my theory works of course it would only be one game it would not be a true sample size but it would at least give me something to 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 work with any shred of evidence instead of just my gut feeling we've got to find that at some point we are winding down for weekend at Bookies. Some controversy as Paula had previously cra- claimed credit for his preposterous prop being a winner, but as it turns out, he's a big fat liar. He's a liar liar pants on fire. He's a lying liar, you sleep on a bed of lies, you liar.
0: Yeah, there was um I 100 percent saw that Houston had won 38 to 33 mm. over New Jersey. And, this is in the USFL. Yes, and that was uh, so I picked Houston to win and hit. You can't win, even name the teams. And hit the, it was the, the Houston Gamblers the, yes. and New Jersey Generals. All right, you can. And I had picked Houston to win, um, and hit the over on 41. I believe it was.
1: It was it was a number that they definitely passed. Whatever the number was, they and, the over definitely hit.
0: And the, when I read the article that week, it had said that Houston had won 38-33. to 33. Well, there was a typo. Houston lost that game 33-28. to 28. Mm. And so mm. I hit the over, which was right, and I got made fun of for picking the over in the second week of the USFL. Mm. But mm. I didn't get Houston right to win.
1: Mm. That's too bad. That's yeah. too bad. It seems like Houston is the only team that's involved in games that, with points uh, because the following week they were in a 27-26 game too. Every time I've even – it was on in the studio. When Rita and I were doing the show on Sunday, there was a USFL game on in the studio, and Rita was, it was so bad, it actually distracted Rita. Like, she actually looked up at one point and was like, What is this? And I'm like, Rita, why are you paying attention to that? She's like, You can't take your eyes off it. It's so bad. It's just so bad. Oh, it's dreadful. All right, your preposterous prop for this week. Uh, oh, 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 hang on. John Proctor says he could probably come in to be the one to wax Andrew Sanchez's back. Oh, I like that. I that like everything about that. We got to make sure Mrs. Stecker can't.
0: I haven't seen Proctor in about 16 years.
1: Well, how about that? How about that? It says he could probably come in. We'll uh we'll we'll figure that out with Proctor. Anyway, um go ahead.
0: All right, so I'm going back to the USFL.
1: Back, back to the USFL. USFL. You don't know how lucky you're in hell. Yeah. Something I mean, that's what it feels like. I can't wait. Whatever. Go ahead.
0: All right. So I'm going Birmingham stallion I'm sorry. Tampa Bay Bandits at the Birmingham Stallions this Saturday at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. They've got the Stallions by three and a half over the Bandits. Now the Stallions are averaging just under, just a hair under, 28 points per game. Uh, and they're taking. They're only three and a half point favorites over the Tampa Bay Bandits, who are two and one. Oh. But they've they've won games 17 to three. Lost thirty four to three and won twenty seven twenty six. It doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to anybody at yeah. the USFL. Yeah. But I'm taking not only am I taking the Birmingham Stallions to, to more than cover, you can't do that, but I'm
1: taking that's no, well actually you can probably get an alternate spread somewhere. I don't not here though. There are no but other wagers available.
0: I'm taking them to cover the spread of of three and a half and I'm taking the over on forty one and a half. I'm looking at them to win by double digits and go over forty one and a half.
1: So the issue with that is that you can't parlay those two things right now. It's a I guess you could probably do a same game parlay at the, I I don't know what that would what the odds would be to know if it's actually preposterous or not because it's only two minus 110 bets that you're making. So it's not really all that preposterous. It's more like a bet that you're suggesting. The,
0: the, the preposterousness is, preposterous. is that you're betting on the USFL. I mean, there's and something. And I have no said. information there, on either team. There other is, other is I
1: something said. to be said for the, it being preposterous to bet on the USFL. So you're you are saying Birmingham three and a half and and over forty one and a half. Yes. And see if you can get that on a same game parlay. I don't know if you'd be able to same game parlay I'm that. I'm Find I don't. a
0: parlay calculator and.
1: I, I don't I just don't know if you're actually able to do it. I think you just have to put in two different bet slips and and have two separate -110 bets cuz I just don't know if that same game parlay would be available. I don't know that they're doing same game parlays for any USFL. I, I don't know what the the FanDuel policy is on that. But two separate -110 bets and and we'll see. All right, that's Paul's preposterous prop. Hey, thanks to Andrew Stecka and thanks to Brad Cronthall for joining us. If you missed any of the show, you can find it in the same locations, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or pressboxonline, or, yeah, or actually go to glennclarkradio.com and we'll get it up in the archives. Uh, on Tuesday, we will have the next uh, edition of... Simply the Bets, and then we'll be back in two weeks with Next Weekend at Bookies. Thanks for joining us. It's been brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. May the odds be ever in your favor.